curated by Kohl's latest collection is now available in select stores and at Kohl's.com. For a limited time, shop unexpected new favorites like reusable drinkware from Corksicle and fun arts and crafts from UB. Warmies heatable plush toys are perfect for little ones. Homesick handcrafted candles are a great gift to make anyone feel at home. And who doesn't love sweet treats from Candy Club? Shop curated by Kohl's for these digital need-to-know brands and more. Tap the banner now or visit Kohl's.com. Blog Talk Radio. It's fun for all the Contradiction, 
The cross of crucifixion, the loss we took for sinning. All Easter's back in scripture that it was written that nothing is coincidence. They took our leaders and they lynched them. Welcome to the Truth to Power show, and my name is Beverly D. And we have Baba Kintu with us tonight, and he's with Jedi Vision 2020, the psychology of speed. So let's see. Baba Kintu, are you there? Maad Hotep, Sister Bev, I am here. How are you doing? Great, great. How are you? Oh, fantastic. Uh, like the brothers is always saying, it's a great time to be alive. Yes, it is. And before we, we get into uh, the psychology of C, let the people know uh, who is Baba Kentu and, and what do you do? Ashay. Baba Kentu is a teacher of African spiritual sciences as well as a behavior analyst and a educational psychologist. All that rolled into the clinical director of the JED Institute of Learning, which is a educational service provider specializing in African-centered education and the seven liberal arts, also known as, and from here on out, referred to as the wisdom system. We will go ahead and explain that in a second. But this is uh, who we are. The JED Institute of Learning um, is a hybrid program where you can come to get your educational needs met, uh, whether it be tutoring, whether it be schooling, whether it be behavioral services or cognitive, behavioral, and adaptive assessments. So those are all the things that we do at JET Institute of Learning, and that is who uh, Bobby Kentu is. Oh, and I would also say in the area of African spiritual sciences, my expertise are in Heka'u, which is word power, are the the magic of words, also known as magic in other languages, and various rituals. So that is a mm. a, a summary of who Baba Kintu is. Excellent, excellent. And how can people uh, contact you to join uh, or get involved in the Learning Institute? Absolutely. The best thing that you can do is go to our website, which is Jedi Learning. B-J-E-D-I-L-E-A-R-N-I-N-G dot com. Go there and sign up for our newsletter. Sign up for our, you can either follow us on our various um, social media, or you can even go to our YouTube page and subscribe there. We've been trying to upload more information there to get that directly to the people. But you can also just go to our search, Jedi Learning, or the Jed Institute. Of learning, and you will come across all that information. You can also email us at babakintu at Jedi Learning. That's B A B A K E N T U 
at Jedi Learning. You can also call us directly at 909-576-0170. So that's how you can get in touch with us here at the Jet Institute of Learning. Excellent. Now, the your teaching, um, it, do you go further than, you know, the the three R's, the, the, the way that uh, public school teaches? Do you t- talk about or get into the spiritual side of things, too, with your teachings? Absolutely, and I'm glad you asked that question because it reminded me to bring up the fact that we just concluded our first class at the Karast Unity Center for African Spiritual Sciences. During that Friday mm-hmm. night class, we uh, just completed reading the book Stolen Legacy. I've read that book multiple times, but for the people in the class, it was the first time being exposed to that great information. And if anybody's familiar with Stolen Legacy, that is a must-have on your shelf. George G.M. James who was a professor, a black professor, wrote this book, and the premise of the book was that Greek philosophy is actually stolen Egyptian philosophy. Not too long after that book dropped, they killed that man, which shows you the power of the information that was contained in that document. And we just completed that book, and we are looking now um, at a few other books to pick up for the next semester, one of those being African Psychology. Because if we do not understand, and I'm sorry, African Psychology by Dr. Wade Nobles, one of our psychologists, Mm -hmm. because if we don't Mm -hmm. understand Mm -hmm. African psychology, we don't understand who we are. We lose knowledge of self. And one of the main terms that you will learn that our ancient ancestors used was know thyself. Because if you know thyself, you unlock all the mysteries to the universe. So this is what we teach. Meditation, spiritual sciences. Uh, the different principles stemming from African spirituality, the African constitution, the wisdom system, like we talked about the African-centered education. All of these things stem from ancient African spiritual sciences, which span the diaspora. So not just Kemet, but also West Coast, Ghana, Nigeria, Benin, Togo, Haiti, um, all of the information compiled up into one, and then getting the patterns out of that. So what do we usually do? How do you pour libation? How do you honor the ancestors? How do you honor the deities? What are those practices? What are those procedures? And how do you carry them out? It is all about reclaiming who you are, essentially, and getting your, back, getting your DNA back. Because once again, your legacy has been stolen. And we will get yeah. a lot deeper into that today as we go forward. All right. That's good. That's excellent. So you activating people. You oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Waking them up, activating them, opening their yeah. eyes so they can see. Okay. Yeah, that's so important. That's right on time too with this 2020 season that's coming in. Uh, thank you. Everything in divine order. Sometimes we yeah. don't pick the the titles. The titles pick us, and this one, I guess, it was just right time. And once we start getting into the information, you're going to say a lot of this is impossible for it to line up the way it is and to be a coincidence. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it may sound foreign at first, but once you keep listening and actually start doing the research, your eyes, too, will be open. You will get your glasses right. so you can see with the 2020 vision. 
Yes, excellent. Well, let's get into the uh, excellent the 2020 vision. <laughs> oh, perfect, perfect. So today's title is Jedi Vision 2020, The Psychology of Sin. And when we talk about Jedi vision, there's a couple of things we have to keep in mind. The jet pillar and the eye. The jet pillar is an ancient African symbol that represents the backbone. The backbone also represents various things from uh, a snake, a coiled up snake whose potential energy is ready to spring forward. Also the fact that man walks upright. And for him to be at his best, he needs to be in the upright position. Okay. Then the eye. The eye is a sacred symbol throughout various cultures, but specifically in African cultures. And we will get into breaking down the third eye as well as the two eyes that we see with, as well as how they can be manipulated. Everything that you see, you cannot believe. In the land of the blind, the one eye man is king. So that means that when everybody is rocking around and the blind are leading the blind, all you got to do is have a little bit of sight, and that will allow you to see what's really going on. So we just want to give you enough sight so that you can go ahead and pursue whatever you have to pursue after you have the vision. So Jedi Vision 2020, we know that 2020 vision means to see clearly. That's perfect vision. So when you're upright and you have your third eye, which means that you're not seeing things just with your two false eyes, you're also able to see it with the mind's eye. That's when you are going to be at your best. And this is not something that Baba Kintu just came up with. You will see this has been going on for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. So powerful that the powers that be today have stolen your legacy and are using it for various means. And we'll get into what those means are in a second. And then the second half of that, the psychology of seeing. There was a book written called The Psychology of Seeing, and that's a very famous psychological book, and it goes over the perception of seeing and what that entails. Is seeing just a reflection of light into my eyes and then that upside-down image burning an image onto my brain and then registering? Is it just as simple as that? Or does seeing have to do with my previous experience, my future hopes, my understanding of what I'm seeing? my conditioning on what I have been seeing. So we'll start to understand that seeing has a lot more to do with just looking at something. Seeing has a lot to do, uh, even more so probably, to do with the psychology around seeing. What is it that your mind, what, what type of mind frame are you in? What type of mind state are you in while you are doing visualization, and how can that be carried out? We are going to juxtapose that That's the metaphysical aspect, but these things are going on every single day around us. When we speak about the Jedi, people are very, very familiar with the Jedi because of Star Wars. We will get into Star Wars that is going on currently. Star Wars that are going on currently have to do with Space Force, the sixth branch of the United States military. The wars are no longer going to be fought on the floor, on the ground, even in the air. Are in the oceans. They will be fought in the cloud through artificial intelligence and semi-autonomous vehicles and beings. So uh, satellites are going to be extremely important in this discussion 
because without the satellites, none of this could even exist. When we get on into the psychology of C, there is a new show that just dropped called C. And once I get into this uh, show, it's on Apple TV, but once I get onto this show, the family's eyes will start to be open. And I'll just give you a brief synopsis. C is a story about a post-apocalyptic existence, which is maybe 100 years or so in the future, so not too far, where everybody has lost sight. But something miraculous happens where one of the villagers in this particular uh, series has babies. Those two babies uh, are black. Now, everybody up until this point are like mixed characters. Um, so you got Alfie Woodard in there. She's a sister. But you got Jason Momoa in there. He is uh, – what is he? What is that place called? Um, not the Netherlands, but – oh, my goodness. I can't think of it right now. It will come back to me. But that's where he's from. But when we do the research on that particular place, it is home to what we call the Heka. So they have connections to the Hekau and their teams are named the All Blacks as well as the Tall Blacks. Their basketball team is called the Tall Blacks. And if you look at their original tribes, these are black people. But now if you see them, uh, they look more Hawaiian or mixed. So that's Jason Momoa. But then the white mama has two twin, has a set of twins right there. You should know they're already going to be black. Why? Because most human beings that are twins on the face of the earth come from where? Nigeria. That might be surprising to some people. It was surprising to me when I first found it out. But anytime you see a twin, you might think of something else, but you should be thinking about Nigerians, okay, pitch black twins. So this uh, person in the village, this woman, has these two babies. And remember, everybody is blind. Nobody has sight. But for whatever reason, these babies are born with sight. They can see. They got the 2020 vision. They got the Jedi vision. And we don't want to get into no spoilers just yet, but I want to give everybody a brief synopsis of everything we're going to cover today. Hopefully, we can cover all that today. I mean, it's a lot of information, but it lines up so perfectly that if we don't finish today, hopefully we can come back in the near future and wrap it all up. Okay. Yes. I'm ready. Oh, Okay, let's do it. And what I want to do first just to give everybody a brief synopsis of kind of what we discussed, I just want to read from that book that I told you about earlier called The Psychology of Seeing. It is, like I said, the nominal work on vision and how people perceive their environment through vision and also how it works through the brain functions. But just through everything I told you about how seeing is much, much more than just the light, I'm going to read you this passage really quick. And this is from the book Psychology of Seeing on page 13. It goes a little something like this. Perception is not determined simply by the stimulus patterns. Rather, it is a dynamic searching for the best interpretation of the available data. The data are sensory signals and also knowledge of the many other characteristics of objects. Just how far experience affects perception, how far we have to learn to see Learn to see, remember that, you don't just get seen, you learn to see, is a difficult question to answer. It is one which will concern us in this book, but it seems clear that perception involves going beyond the immediately given evidence of the senses. 
And this is what people have to remember. We talk about the third eye vision, and you can see even in this nominal work, they even talk about the eyes that you see are probably, probably lying to you. The eyes that you have in front of your head, they're probably not giving you the whole truth. Because once again, it says, it seems clear that perception involves going beyond the immediately given evidence of the senses. This evidence is assessed on many grounds, and generally, we make the best bet <laughs> and see things more or less correctly. But the senses do not give us a picture of the world directly. Okay, y'all hear that? The senses do not give us a picture of the world directly. Rather, they provide evidence for the checking of hypotheses about what, what lies before us. Indeed, we may say that perception of an object is a hypothesis suggested and tested by the sensory data. The Necker cube. Now, everybody should have some idea of what the Necker cube is. I'm going to describe it to you a little bit. The Necker cube is that cube that you usually draw on a piece of paper on the board, and then it flips sides somehow. Either you stare at it long enough, it'll look like it's pointing upwards, and if you stare at it long enough, it'll flip to the other side. Are you familiar with the cube I'm talking about, Sister Beth? No, it's, it's not really. Illusion. Okay, well, oh, don't worry okay. about it. I'm going to tell everybody. I'm going to tell everybody how to make a Necker cube. This is all you have to do. Draw a square. Okay, that's it. Four equal, equal sides. Draw a dot right in the middle of that square. That dot will be the corner to the next square. It will be the upper right-hand corner to the next square. Then you're going to draw another square from that dot, right? Remember, and that's the upper right-hand corner. So now you have two squares overlapping each other. Then the last point is all you have to do is make sure you connect each edge of the two squares. Connect the top right, top left, uh, bottom right, bottom left. And once you do that, you will have a Necker cube. And if you stare at that cube long enough, I don't care who draws it or where they draw it, it starts to change ground. You don't know if it's pointing up in the sky or you don't know if it's uh, flat on the ground. Yeah, it's an old-school optical illusion. But they go on to say here that the Necker cube is a pattern which contains no clue as to which of two alternative hypotheses is correct. The perceptual system entertains first one, then the other hypothesis, and never comes to a conclusion, for there is no best answer. Okay? So everything you're seeing out there, there is no one answer or no one way to see it. We have to keep that in mind as we continue. When a perceptual hypothesis, a perception, is wrong, uh, we are misled, as we are misled in science when we see the world distorted, distorted by a false theory, okay, whether that be Darwin, uh, Darwinism or whatever. Perceiving and thinking are not independent. I see what you mean is not a pun, but indicates a connection which is very real. Okay? So meaning and seeing go hand in hand. They are not individuals. So that gives us just a brief overview and a basic understanding of what we'll discuss today. And that being, just because you see something does not mean that that's what it is. There's always underlying meanings, whether they be metaphysical, whether they be experiential, whether they be a hypothesis, or whether they be something that we hope for in the future. 
seen has to do with all of that. And when we go into 2020, it is a time when especially and specifically black people are going to have to see. Because if we're not seen correctly, we are grounds for extinction. And how might I say that? Well, when we get into the information, we'll tell you. A lot of uh, the workings of the world and what happens to us on a day-to-day basis happens on the metaphysical realm. So it's not readily available for those who do not have a, a certain knowledge or mind frame. And we'll get into those aspects, especially when it comes to mythology. Okay, People are familiar with Greek mythology. People are also familiar with a, uh, ancient African spiritual science, which some consider a mythology, but uh, we consider it much, much more. But the current mythology today, and there's two big ones that draw on African spiritual sciences and the wisdom system. One is Harry Potter, and the other one which we'll describe today is Star Wars. Now, Star Wars The Force Awakens uh, was, I think, the first episode of Star Wars Saga. And what I'm going to do is give the people a little breakdown and a little synopsis of the whole Star Wars theme and how it kind of lays on top of uh, what we're discussing, okay? We won't get into that in just a second because what I want to do prior to that is clean up some stuff that we have left untidy uh, in past episodes. Because I like to go through those episodes and make sure we sweep up anything that we might have dropped to the people that may have been either inaccurate or have changed. So we don't want to just leave the people hanging. There are some things that we want to definitely give to you. So before we get into the meat, Let's do a little cleanup. In the past, okay. we discussed uh, throwing rice at weddings. And I'm, I think I asked – no, actually, you brought it up, Sister Bev. We were talking about various rituals, and you said, uh, mm-hmm. why do they throw rice at weddings? And I said, mm-hmm. you know what? I'm not sure, but when I come back, we will get deep into that information. So without any okay. further ado, let's go ahead uh, and do that. Okay? So – this document that I have here is from medium.com, and it says, Strange Rituals, the Occult Truth Behind Weddings. And a, a lot of this information is, is very, very interesting. But e- essentially, what the throwing of rights represents uh, is prosperity. Some say it's children. Some say it provides abundance uh, so that you're not hungry. But we'll go into the origins of it right now as I read a little bit from this article. It says, among some traditionalists, throwing rice remains part of the festivities. This custom began in Vedic and Chinese cultures, where rice is a symbol of prosperity and fertility. Rice was thrown to placate or distract demons and spirits and wish plenty on the couple. Ancient Romans threw nuts and fruits. Ouch. Even after the wedding, newlyweds must be careful. The bridegroom carries his wife over the threshold, which Romans believed was swarming with mischievous spirits. His act of chivalry foils lurkers in the door frame. It then goes on to, to jump in the broom, which is interesting, but it's not really relative to what we're talking about right now. We wanted to make sure, though, uh, that we got that rice in. But I might as well just go ahead and read it because what? We're talking about regaining who we are. So of all wedding rituals, this person's personal favorite and one of the most historically rich is jumping the broom. Today, the African-American expression 
jumping the broom means getting hitched. And some couples continue this customary rite as a reflection of joint tradition. The practice is rooted in an old African custom in which newlyweds literally jump over a broom to prove that one of them is not an evil double. Okay? It's not a doppelganger. It's not artificial intelligence. It's not an uh, automaton. It's not a droid. Okay? It's not some type of spirit that comes to do us harm. It says, in folklore, found in Western and Central Africa, as well as in the European Middle Ages, evil witches or wicked spirits are considered obsessive-compulsive in nature. Melvillain spirit would have to stop to count all the broom's bristles, thus exposing a sinister in- entity disguised as the bride or the groom. This lore extends to vampires. If you are chased by one of the undead, you can throw a handful of pebbles or not a string on the ground. The wicked creature must stop to count the projectiles or undo the knots. And I'm glad that I actually read that, and this is one of those things that's in divine order again. Because when we get into the series C, you might say, well, how do these people communicate uh, without talking? There has to be some way for mass communication. What they do is they take string, tie it up, and they pass it to each other, and they can read the knots. So it's very interesting that that goes along with the jumping of the broom ceremony from ancient African rituals. So uh, Melvillean spirits, they get distracted. They're obsessive-compulsive, so they're going to have to stop and count all those brooms, and that's how you can tell that they're either a double or an evil spirit or a witch. Same goes with throwing a uh, string with knots on the ground. They have to stop and try to untie it because it's so obsessive and compulsive. That's how you know you're dealing with a witch. Now, do they – That's how you – Do they – Go ahead. Do they wear the, do they wear the uh, string with the knots, or they just have it on the ground? Because I've noticed, like when you see a lot of those Jews, so-called Jews, they have those mm-hmm. knots hanging on the side of their clothes. Yes, that's. You know what? <laughs> you have just made a point for further research, because it probably mm-hmm. is connected. Once again, once we see something in a connection, and we do a little bit of research. Sometimes it does pop up that that's exactly what it is. So that may be interesting. Maybe that is a way to uh, ward off evil spirits or uh, entities trying to come through and pose as a human being. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I find that fascinating right there that you just brought it up, and I will make a note and do some research on that. So that's a little bit about the right situation that we wanted to bring up. Uh, Another thing that we talked about and we wanted to tell the people about um, a sister called in one time and was asking, where should she go and what, um, where should she look at for different alternatives to her current career? Or how does she go about getting re-education or re-educated? And uh, I want to give her a couple of things that she can do to um, try to find that out. And what you can do is go to our website, JediLearning.com. And download the document or the blog post called Black to School, the Top Five Trends in Education for the 1920 School Year. And it lays out the various jobs and re-education programs uh, that are fantastic. And I'm going to read that little section for you so everybody has an idea of what's going on. Okay. Re-education and employment opportunity is a trend that seems to always be a hot topic in the field of education as these are two of the primary reasons why one seeks higher learning. The re-education pieces of the utmost importance 
importance in today's society due to the high number of individuals of adult age learning new skills and sharpening old ones to get a foothold in the door of the job market. If one seeks the path of advanced degrees in a highly specialized skill set, okay, so these are people might they may just be starting out and they have time and resources to go through an enormous amount of schooling, but it pays off in the end. So what jobs do you want to seek if, you, if that's a route that you want to take? It says, <clears throat> in jobs such as tax manager, physician's assistant, and data scientist are all positions that foster strong career opportunities at other companies, pay well above the U.S. median base salary, which is about $53,000, and are in demand in today's labor market. So if you want to have a job that has longevity, or a career, I should say, that has longevity, you make above the median salary, and it's not too long to go to school and you have the money for it, this is, those are three of them that you can get into. Tax manager, physician's assistant, data scientist. Follow the links in that article, and you can get even more jobs or career opportunities. But those are the main ones that we saw that we want to give to the family. Now, if you don't – it's like that movie, I don't know if you've ever seen it, called American Beauty. Uh, and the American Beauty was played by – I can't think of his name right now, but he was the dude that had gotten in trouble on Netflix for touching on that 14-year-old boy at a party a long time ago. It was Kevin Spacey, okay? In American Beauty, they asked Kevin Spacey, uh, once he quits his job, he applies to a job at like McDonald's or something like that. And so they asked him, yes, yeah, sir, so you seem overqualified for this position. What, what is it that you want to do here? And he was, his response was, I want the least amount of responsibility possible. If that's what you are looking for, you want to get paid, you want to get you know some things done, but you don't want to put your all into that. A lot of people, you know, are in that boat. Maybe they have a second job. Maybe they are artistic and they just need to uh, support themselves during the day. These are some of the things you can do. If you would like to travel the less academic path but are still in possession of some pretty good social skills, then retail positions at companies such as Costco, Home Depot, or Big Lots pay above the minimum wage and have comprehensive uh, benefits packages such as educational assistance, uh, and other supports. So those are just three, once again. But those three jobs, once again, they pay above the minimum wage, uh, which they're raising, so it's going to pay above that. You'll get benefits. You'll get health benefits. You'll get um, educational assistance if you want to have re-education and uh, move up in the company. Those are three companies right there where you can have that type of experience. And you don't take a lot of the school. And it doesn't take any uh, specialized skill set, except for just having some good social skills. You got to be able to talk to people. If you uh, are a person who likes to talk crazy to people and, you know, go off the handle from time to time, and when keeping it real goes wrong, that might not be the, the path for you. But these are some options that you do have. So I want to make sure that people have that information as well. So go ahead and download that uh, and check that out if you need further information. Now, is, is is there anything about people that want to go into business for themselves, want to be entrepreneurs? You know what? A good place to go for that is it. Mm -hmm. I'm sure the people out there are familiar with Dr. Boyce Watkins. Dr. Boy, uh, Dr. Boyce Watkins has what he calls the Black Business School, and you can pay a, a small fee 
And what he does is he uh, gives you so many calls that you have per year, so many face-to-face meetings. Well, not face-to-face, but they're on the Internet. And he'll guide you through whatever ideas you might have for African-centered businesses or just business in general. And if anybody knows uh, Dr. Boyce Watkins out there, he's one of our leading black economists and financial experts out there who uh, has 2020 vision. So definitely check out his business school, and he can help lead you to wherever you need to go. There are tons of options out there. Uh, so, yeah, I'll just start. I'll just leave it there without giving the people too much information. And does that kind of answer your question, Sister Bell? Yes, excellent, yes. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm familiar with Dr. Watkins. Yeah, I'm familiar with Dr. Watkins. Yes. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, straight up out of, I think he was a professor at Syracuse University at one point, and Mm -hmm. now he's moved all his services straight to the people. Okay. Yeah. As we continue, um, I made the mistake of saying that the very first Star Wars, which is actually episode four, was called A Force Awakens. When it's actually a new hope And to me Who else had hope Represented with them when they came into power Whose tagline Had anything to do with hope Do you remember anybody in recent years? Well I remember too I, rem- okay. I remember Jesse Jackson and I remember uh, Barack Obama Th- That's fantastic And you are on the money Like always So number one Jesse Jackson um, did come out with Keep Hope Alive. <laughs> so he was the hope <laughs> at that particular time. But the new hope, and this is my hypothesis, is that Barack mm-hmm. Obama was the new hope. And if you remember what mm-hmm. A Force Awakens was about in the Star Wars trilogy, it was that the Empire had taken control of everything that was going on in the galaxy. And the new hope was Luke Skywalker coming up to take control and lead the resistance against the empire. So, uh, you know, symbolically, that's exactly what Obama represented. On the face level, if you're looking at with the two eyes, of course, if you had your 2020 vision glasses on, you would have seen a whole lot of other things coming along with it. But, you know, be, be that here nor there, that's what that's for. So, I'm sorry, that's what A New Hope was about. Okay, and let's just play that out really quick. So you had a new hope. Then you had the empire strikes back. And what I'm saying is you had a new hope when Obama came in. And right now is what you have in, is the empire strikes back because the empire is definitely striking back right now. Uh, it is taking control or actually over the planet. You get to see people not only like Trump, but Boris Johnson that we talked about, who is the new prime minister of the United Kingdom, who is almost a clone of uh, Donald Trump. Loves cussing people out, talking loud, rambunctious, wants to cozy up with the royals so that he can get um, you know, special privileges. He's not worried about what the, the people are doing, and he's not even going to pretend. Okay, Same thing here. Same thing here. So you had a new hope. That didn't work out. You got the Empire Strikes Back right now, but then people got to remember what followed that. And what was that? Return of the Jedi. And that's what we're doing right now in the 2020. We have to raise the Jed pillar. We've got to raise these Jedis back up. So we're going to get into this information so we can see exactly how that's going to work out. Okay? So who are the Jedis right now? 
well, the Jedi's are really us. I'm just going to put it plain and simple. The Jedi's are you. Okay, that ancient mythology coming from uh, what is this man's name? Uh, he has a black wife too. Uh, George Lucas. George Lucas, in conjunction with Steven Spielberg, came with the came up with the idea for Star Wars. Most of the scenes were shot in Africa. A lot of the languages that were used for the various um, creatures were actually sped up in reverse African languages. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi means heart in the Yoruba language. Or it also means leader or a teacher. To be an Obi, you would have to be a specialist. So you have all these connections uh, to Africa when you're talking about uh, Star Wars and the Jedi. And lastly but not leastly, the, the most pertinent one is the Jed Pillar. We told you what the Jed Pillar was, the backbone of the SAR, your backbone. It also has to be raised up, and it also functions very similar to the uh, Eastern Kundalini. It's potential energy that has to be risen up to come to its full force. Okay, So who else are the Jedis? Who are the false Jedis? You got people still in your legacy. And who might they be? And that's when we get into a little bit of this space force. What is space force? Well, space force is what Trump and the United States are currently put into place as their sixth branch of the United States government. We talked a little bit earlier about how wars are no longer going to be fought face-to-face. It is all going to be a computer animation, a simulation, once again, fought with automatons, drones, and artificial intelligence. So how do we fit into this? Where do we go from here? How do we get that Jedi vision 2020? Well, we have to take a peek at the mythology in order to see. And before I get into that mythology, there is one Greek mythology that kind of lets you know how things work with vision. And I don't have the actual document in front of me, but it's called the Allegory of the Cave. If anybody's ever taken a philosophy class, they learned about Plato's Allegory of the Cave. Now, what does the Allegory of the Cave say? Well, the Allegory of the Cave is about a story where four men are sitting inside of a cave chained up to the walls. They've been in this cave their whole life, never got a chance to set foot outside. They're constantly looking at this wall and this fire that's in front of them. The fire they can, lit, they can light, but they can't really turn their heads around, and they can't see anything else. What they do see is since they're facing the inside of the wall and the sun is shining inside of the cave, is people walking by. And those people walking by behind them cast shadows onto the wall. So their entire life, they are thinking that these shadows on the walls are reality because that's the experience. So they're sitting here, years and years passing by, chained up to the wall, watching these spirits or these shadows as they really are, pass by, back and forth, and they get scared, and they make various rituals to make the spirits come and go and the shadows come and go, but they never really know what's going on. One day, either they get rescued or somebody figures out how to unchain themselves, and they finally get to exit the cave. They go outside the cave, they look around, and they see things for what they really are. And guess what? You might think they're elated. You might think they're happy. You might think they are fanatical about their new conditions. No. They are scared shitless. 
they are frightened to death. To see all this going on that they had no idea was happening, it is a frightening sight. It is like you all the, all your life being in the shallow end, and all of a sudden, somebody just throws you in the deep end. So you panic. You try to doggy paddle. You're drowning yourself, and that's exactly what happened to these fellows in the cave. So what did they do as a result of them having this frightening experience? They turn right back around, go back in the cave, strap themselves up with them chains, and go back to looking at the wall. And how do they feel about that? They are absolutely relieved. And what is the metaphor about this? What does this mean? What does this actually mean? It means that whatever your experience is, whatever you've seen up to this point, it's your condition. And if anything that comes outside of your awareness comes to you and you're not ready for it, you are going to go back to your comfort zone and your old way of seeing and your old way of thinking about things. And that's what most people do. You try to hit them with some information that they may not be ready for, most people won't sit there and digest it. They won't sit there and give you the benefit of the doubt. They won't go do any extra research on what you just dropped on their heads. They will condemn you. They will almost go into a, a, a trance because you see something come over their eyes where they kind of glaze over, and then they start to say, just mundane things. Like they don't want to cover that topic at all because they have to go back to the comfort zone. That's the allegory of the cave, and this is what we're talking about. You opening up your eyes so that you are not frightened about what's coming. See it for what it is. Take it head on because it's coming anyway. You don't really have a choice. Okay. So we wanted to drop that on you a little bit just so people kind of have another understanding and another angle to approach vision with. And the whole aspect and the metaphysical aspect of seeing. So we talked a little bit about space force. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just saying that um, you know it's something how our natural—well, I don't want to say natural, but our physical vision is upside down. Yes. So that should kind of tell you something right there. You you are you, you hit it right on the head. When that image comes through your retina, it flips, and it burns yeah. right onto the back of your retina, and then the brain does the rest of the work. So what are we actually yeah. seeing out there? Are we seeing right side up? Are we seeing upside down? The, the Pert and Haru, which is an ancient text from the pyramids of ancient Egypt, that document has actual chapters, actual hekau in there about seeing things are walking upside down in the afterlife. They're chapters of not walking upside down in the afterlife, of um, keeping your legs in the afterlife so you can walk upright. So that was a very, very key part of their belief system was the whole upside down aspect. And I don't even have to say how that relates to Stranger Things, which is another modern day mythology that's come out, um, a Netflix original series. The upside down is literally the dot or the underside of everything that's going on, the metaphysical aspect which contains the dark. You always have the light and dark together, but you're not always able to see the dark unless you have the correct vision. So you're right. Everything is flipped upside down when you do look at it. As a matter of fact, there's a whole chapter on that in that book that uh, we discussed earlier, The Psychology of Seeing. And you can find that PDF free somewhere on the Internet. That's how I got it because the book is pretty expensive if you try to purchase it. But just keep looking, and you'll find that PDF. And while we're on the subject, even in the Pertish Maru, 
Once again, the book of coming forth in today or coming into the light. The whole premise is that you are going into the light, allowing you to see better. But there are also characters in there, certain characters like Haru Kent in Ma'a. That's the Haru without sight. So he's kind of like the baby Haru who hasn't come up to avenge his father's death yet. And they call him Haru without sight because he's just a little, you know, um, a Padawan. He's just a rookie. He's a neophyte. He doesn't have the experience yet. He can see, but he can't see, if you know what I mean. So once again, that eye comes up again and again in ancient tenets. They talk about the sightless one. And I have a book here, once we get into that section, called Myth and Symbol in Ancient Egypt. And we can get deep into the eye and the various passages that discuss vision and the eye and how they work and how they can lie to you. Okay. We'll get to that in a second as soon as we finish with the Jedi. So we've come to the portion where we're discussing uh, who are the current Jedi. We said we were the real ones, and you got some fake ones out there as well. Now, the fake ones are the Space Force, that uh, sixth branch of the United States government. This is where we're taking the wars to. And that brings up the Jedi contract. You know I had to finish it up and give you an update on it. So last, what was that, maybe about three or four months ago, we did a show where we talked about the Jedi contract. And the Jedi contract is a contract that the United States government was often offering one of six tech companies to take over. And that Jedi stands for Joint Enterprise Defense Infrastructure. Okay, You thought Trump, once again, was talking about infrastructure to build you some roads and schools and bridges and hospitals. Wrong, wrong. He's talking about building infrastructure in space to leave your ass behind okay, and fight wars up there. So this contract was finally awarded. We talked about the battles going back and forth between Amazon and Microsoft and Oracle and Google. At the time, we didn't know where it was going. But the decision was finally made, and Microsoft got the deal. So Sundar Pichai, who was the CEO of Microsoft, I know he's celebrating and you know Jeff Bezos is real upset right about now. Trump and Bezos go way back with their battles, and Bezos has been getting beat up. Trump has almost poo-pooed everything that he's tried to come across, and especially this Jedi contract. It was almost a hands-down that Amazon would have access to that contract. Why? Not only because they already have access to top-secret uh, contracts already, such as a contract with the CIA, but they also had employees that were working on the application process. They had already worked for the Pentagon, and they worked for Amazon. So Amazon thought they had a shoe in. That's when the whole thing between Jim Mattis and Trump went down. Jim Mattis had already promised Jeff Bezos that he was going to hook them up with that Jedi contract. But when things went sour between Mattis and Trump, it, he didn't have that uh, ear anymore to try to pull his little coattail. So – Trump already don't like Jeff Bezos. Number one, I think, is because of jealousy. Uh, Jeff Bezos is the richest man in the world. Okay, Trump is I think, I think, I think that Jeff Bezos is part of the deep state. He's because most of these guys with the research, we finding out that these guys with all of this money, you know, they CIA, they mo. Uh, yes. Mo, Mossad. What you call it, Moa, Mossad. Mossad. You know, they just not 
regular people that just um, climbed up to the top and, and made it like that. So I, that's what I think that the beast is about. They are the two. They on two separate teams here. I see what you're saying, and that that is a great analysis as well. Um, and my acumen is that, you know, I feel that they are both on that level because even Trump, he had relations, and we know he did the time traveling, and he has all mm-hmm. other types of aspects of him that are. Um, metaphysical Even he mm-hmm. had to work his way up that ladder And engage in certain secret rituals And things that allowed him to get to a certain elevation That the regular person right. Don't have <clears throat> So yes they are different But I think they are different teams Of the deeper state Just different teams and they, they don't like each other mm-hmm. uh, Number one mm-hmm. well, Like, uh, because, like uh, uh, Dr. X told us You know these is two sets of Jews that's fighting for control of the planet, it, you know? And you right. look like. That K Street and that J Street, we always have to yeah. keep that in mind. And those are the puppet masters. They are literally mm-hmm. puppeting everything that goes on right now. Uh, you know, from the BDS movement on campuses, not allowing anybody to say anything against the Israeli occupation of Palestine, to everything that's going on, moving uh, Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, um, turning themselves into an ethnicity, they are just puppet master and everything right now. So I got to ask myself the question: How is Trump getting caught up in all of this? Um, even though he did cuss him out the day before, he's still passing policies which are supporting him. And you know, his daughter is married to the, one of the top Jews, which is um, uh, mm-hmm. Jared Kushner. So you know, it's it's very it can be very very confusing and muddy. But for whatever reason, those two don't like each other. Either it's the Amazon, Washington, Jeff Bezos, CIA post that constantly is posting bad things about Trump, or you know Jeff Bezos is the richest man in the world. Something Trump's always wanted to do, and I don't think he's ever. He may have reached number one for a moment, but I don't know if he's ever been the richest man in the world. Um, I have to check my files on that one. But anyway. They have been going back and forth uh, for quite some time. So Trump saw the perfect opportunity to slap Jeff Bezos in the face when he thought he had him some ass and was about to get that Jedi contract. Trump was like, nope, I don't think so. Trump's interference was major in that particular um, uh, awarding of the contract. He stopped the whole process. He, Matter of fact, uh, the defense secretary, I can't remember exactly what he was, the secretary of defense, Mark Esper at the time, was the one who was overseeing all of this. And he was saying, you know what, it might take us a couple of months. We might not know by a couple of years. Trump was like, now nah, you're about to wrap this up soon. I don't want to hear it. And right after that, Mark Esper um, re, uh, reneged himself from the whole process because supposedly he had a son who worked for Microsoft or for Google. So, you know, it is all muddy. You know, there's no honor amongst thieves. That's just how it goes here. So what happened? How did Microsoft win the Pentagon $10 billion contract and get away, uh, you know, from Amazon? Let's get into it. And this article is called Microsoft Wins Pentagon's $10 Billion Jedi Contract Forwarding Amazon. This is the 10-year contract for the Joint Enterprise Defense Infrastructure, known as Jedi, had set off a showdown amongst Amazon, Microsoft, IBM, Oracle, and Google for the right to transform the military's cloud computing systems. 
The acrimonious process involved intense lobbying efforts and legal challenges among the rivals. Okay. The decision was a surprise because Amazon had been considered the front runner, in part because it had built cloud services for the CIA. But that was before Mr. Trump became publicly hostile to Mr. Bezos, who also owns the Washington Post. The president often refers to the newspaper as the Amazon Washington Post and has accused it of spreading fake news, our favorite fake news. In public, Mr. Trump said there were other great companies that should have had the chance at the contract. But speechwriter for former Defense Secretary Jim Mattis says in a book scheduled for publication next week that Mr. Trump had wanted to foil Amazon and give the contract to another company. So you see how it got personal. It can go outside the realm of processes and levels and go straight to, you know what, I don't like you. I'm about to hate on you. Okay. So as we continue, Microsoft did not immediately have a comment. Amazon, which calls its cloud platform Amazon Web Services, or AWS, said in a statement that it was surprised by the decision. And they have in quotes here, AWS is a clear leader in cloud computing and a detailed assessment purely on the comparative offerings clearly led to a different conclusion, Drew Herdner, a spokesman for Amazon, said. We remain deeply committed to continuing to innovate for the new digital battlefield where security, efficiency, resiliency, and scalability of resources can be the difference between success and failure. Okay. A little bit further down it reads, Microsoft's win has implications for the cloud computing industry in which businesses rent space on technology company server computers. People have to understand that really quick. Everything is living right now in the cloud, which exists in servers, which are essentially gigantic computers that are constantly running to run all this information. So all your photos, all your apps, everything you back up to the cloud, all your videos, all your music, all your movies, it exists in this cloud. All your text messages, all your oral communication. So that means, number one, it doesn't really exist, and those servers can be taken down at any point in time. But it also means it's easy access for whoever has access to, ac- to access it. Okay? So nothing is private anymore. I think we've known that for a while. But it says, giving them cheap and fast access to storage and processing. Amazon has long been the dominant player with about 45% of the market, almost 50%. That's cornering the market. Trailed by Microsoft with around 25%, said Daniel Ives, an analyst for Webb Bush Securities, who has closely followed the Jedi saga. Landing the Jedi contract puts Microsoft in a prime position to earn the roughly $40 billion that the federal government is expected to spend on cloud computing over the next several years. Now, that statement to me is kind of interesting because up to this point, we have always known it to be a $10 billion contract. Where did $40 billion come in from? Even the title of this article is Microsoft Wins Pentagon's $10 billion Jedi Contract. So, so they lying on themselves. I don't know what's going on there, but I'm sure we'll find out soon enough. So <clears throat> let me continue with this article. <coughs> it says, Unifying information in the cloud has obvious benefits for the Pentagon as the military moves to greater use of remote sensors, semi-autonomous weapons, and ultimately, which means this is a last step, artificial intelligence. 
It is particularly crucial now that the United States Cyber Command has been elevated to the equivalent of Central Command. So they're telling you right here, we don't have any interest on regular communication, our regular people, our regular human beings. We're going straight cyber, which runs operations in the Middle East. Now, my question is, why is Central Command in the Middle East? And then it says, or the Northern Command, which defends the continental United States. Very, very interesting. But we scroll down a little bit further. It says, but Senator Mark Warner, a Democrat of Virginia, said on Twitter that it was important that we maintain a fair and competitive process and that for the president to use the power of his office to punish critics in the media would be a complete abuse of power, also very close to fascism, where everything is going as well. Further down, it says, in August, the Defense Department's inspector general announced that it had assembled a team to review the Jedi process, but while that was underway, Mr. Trump raised his objection. The process froze, and a Pentagon official said time was being wasted, which would ultimately, ultimately put the United States at a military disadvantage. <clears throat> Two of the big players that are accessing a lot of this uh, technology right now are both China, obviously, and India. India just gained the ability to destroy satellites, which very few countries have. Um, and China is leading in AI patents, uh, leading the world in AI patents. So they are constantly coming out with artificial intelligent um, programs, vehicles, um, automatons, rodents, animals, uh, even insects. So they are constantly coming out with this artificial intelligence. And then to sum this article up, the last paragraph says this. He said he saw the ferocity of the contest mainly as a response to Amazon's enormous success as the pioneer of cloud computing, which is now the foundation of much of the digital infrastructure of private industry. He said Amazon's revenue from the federal government contracts, about $200 million in 2014, had reached $2 billion this year, much of it from the CIA and other intelligence agencies. So that little article lets you know, if nothing else, how tied in this artificial intelligence and this move to the cloud, this war in the cloud, is controlled by intelligence agencies. Okay? So no more fighting. You don't, Actually, you don't have to worry about your kids going to war no more and getting shot by another human being. You might have to worry about them getting shot by RoboCop or R2-D2 or C-3PO. Now, this is all relatable because a lot of people's children Play video games regularly. And what did Trump say about video games? Do you remember? But not too long ago? What he said about video games what and violence? Did, what did he say? He said that he feels that there is a connection between video games and violence. <clears throat> that the more people engage in uh, shooting and mass killing and carrying on, that the more likely they are to display that in everyday life, which we are seeing regularly. Um, from the, what, six mass shootings in the last five weeks that we didn't see? But all you continue to see are first-person shooters coming out, first-person uh, battles. Now, what, what is a first-person shooter? It's a type of video game. Did you want to ask a question, Mr. Bill? Uh, well, you know, if you know where the concept of the video games, they were war games, you know, military. Thank you. 
and then they released it to the public. So, yeah, I definitely can see that. That's a form of uh, mind control. Thank you very much for adding that. Um, That was a point that I wasn't going to touch, but you are absolutely correct. They came out of the military, and it's going right back into it. Basically, their plan, because they plan everything out years and years ahead, is coming to fruition, okay? By giving these tactics and the video games and showing people how to use the various remote controls, you are giving them a sense of uh, power and ability to do the things that you see carried out, which takes me back to the beginning of the episode where we wanted to do some cleanup because we talked about this on a previous episode and the whistleblower on the unnamed, uh, unmanned aircraft. His name is Daniel Hale. So if people look up Daniel Hale, he is a whistleblower from the United States who worked on the drone program or what he calls the unmanned aircraft program. And he talks about how similar they are to video games, not only how they play as far as on the screen, but how they even try to imitate the controllers that are popularly used through Xbox and Sony Playstations and Nintendos. They try to imitate that to get the same exact feel. Also, there's a separation between what you're doing in a video game and what's happening in real life. So you can go sit in your chair, play a couple of hours of Super Smash Brothers, kill up a couple of people, a couple of thousand people, even have some collateral damage by blowing up a hospital or a school, and then go into the coffee break room and have shop talk you know, with the homie right next to you. It's almost like it never even happened or doesn't exist. This is where the war is going. This is their Jedi. This is their ability to fight with the force without actually being hurt, without actually going out there and putting their life on the line. And this is why Daniel Hill but, blew the whistle. Yeah, because didn't uh, uh, Obama, just like uh, Bush, used the uh, what those flying things they got in the air now that they the uh, kids the play with? Drones. Just like Bush used the drones for spying, and then Obama took it to the next step, and he put weapons on them, and they were blowing up people and blowing up things with the, with the drones. That's just like the video games. Absolutely. And even he said that was one of his biggest mistakes. He said mm-hmm. that and the killing of Gaddafi was two of his biggest mistakes. And, you know, yeah, right. unfortunately, it was under... <laughs> under a new hope okay? So now the empire is striking back The empire is definitely striking back So this is kind of what we're seeing um, The relationship between video games and violence Has been documented Although there has been a pushback recently Because of the statements that he made Saying that there's no evidence That links video games To violence Or even violent video games to violence All you have to do Is realize that people imitate people who are similar to them. So if you are playing a Grand Theft Auto, the person has your shade of skin, your hair color, your pants, your shirt, and is going around doing these crazy things, the likelihood of you imitating that automatically increases, regardless of what any other documents say. That is a strict behavior analytic principle. The more similar something is to you, the more likely you are to imitate it. That's the reason why African-centered education works. You put a black teacher in there, they can connect better with the black students, 
and therefore raise the achievement. Why would it be any different for video games? So it's a game they try to play with you to try to let you know that it doesn't exist when it really does. That is part of the war machine is to push out the video games. And what video game comes down the pipeline to us right now that lines everything up so nicely? That is the new Star Wars video game. It just dropped, and I've actually been playing it. I'm a big video game buff, so I like to uh, access these games because the mythology in the games are almost the next level beyond the movies and beyond the series because you get so immersed in it and the storylines are now so thick. They are paying real actors to come in and play these parts. They have scripts. The cinematography is fantastic that it might be even more powerful you know, than the movies and just the music because you're a part of it, okay? the whole virtual reality world. So, Star Wars, and let me read to you what this new game, which just dropped, I think it was like November 19th, is called. It is called Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. So we leave in the Joint Enterprise Defense Infrastructure and jumping right into video games, okay? So Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Right now, black people are the fallen order. Our history has been shattered. Our customs have been thrown all over the place, and we have to do the work to rebuild the Jedi Order, okay? I'm going to read to you a brief synopsis about what this game is about. Some of it might surprise you. It says, a galaxy-spanning adventure awaits in Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, a new third-person action-adventure title from Respawn Entertainment. This narratively written single-player game puts you in the role of a Jedi Padawan, that's basically a neophyte, somebody who's just learning their Jedi skills, who narrowly escaped the purge of Order 66. That's double 33, by the way. Following the events in Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. So this video game is not just a game that is separate from the whole Star Wars universe. It actually plays upon the very things that happened in the previous Star Wars and the Star Wars that happened after it. Both events scenarios, and characters. Okay, let's continue with this. On the quest to rebuild the Jedi Order, you must pick up the pieces of your shattered past, black people, to complete your training, develop new powerful force abilities, and master the art of the iconic lightsaber, which is nothing but your staff, like the staff of Tahuti, all while staying one step ahead of the Empire and its deadly inquisitors. Okay, so that whole paragraph is really just talking to you. Hidden in code, you don't have your third eye vision together, you're not going to be able to see it. You're going to sit there stuck in the cave, chained to the wall, looking at shadows walk past, talking about, ooh, this is what I'd rather be doing than going outside. Okay? While mastering your abilities, players will engage in cinematically charged lightsaber and force combat designed to deliver the kind of intense Star Wars lightsaber battles as seen in the films. And they really are. Once you get into some battles, you get to see the cinematography, and it's, it's pretty amazing. I would suggest that the people just go and YouTube a clip of Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order and see what the gameplay is like. Okay. So um, let me pick up. Players will need to approach enemies strategically, sizing up strengths and weaknesses, while cleverly utilizing your Jedi training to overcome your opponents and solve the mysteries that lay in your path. Okay. But this is when the heat gets turned up a little bit. Star Wars fans will recognize iconic locations, weapons, gear, and enemies 
while also meeting a roster of fresh characters, locations, creatures, droids, and adversaries new to Star Wars. As part of this authentic Star Wars story, fans will delve into a galaxy recently seized by the Empire. As a Jedi hero turned fugitive, players will need to fight for survival while exploring the mysteries of a long-extinct civilization, all in an effort to rebuild the remnants of the Jedi Order as the Empire seeks to erase the Jedi completely. Now, remember when I told you early that black people are set up for extinction if their eyes don't open up and they have to see with a 2020 vision? What I'm going to do now to hit that home, I'm going to read that last little piece again, but I'm going to interchange a couple of words. Okay, where I see Jedi, I'm going to put black people. Empires, they can stay the empire, and the lost civilization will be ancient Africa or Egypt. So as black people uh, need to fight for survival while exploring the mysteries of ancient Kemet, all in an effort to rebuild the remnants of the black order, as the empire seeks to erase black people completely. Okay, That's what this video game is about. Now, that's just a synopsis off of the Internet. What you really, really, really have to do is you have to get into the video game itself and start to break some things down so you can see what's really going on. And luckily for the village out there, I have done some of that work for you. Now, two of the characters that play big roles in this are Seer Junda, played by Deborah Wilson, and that's the sister off Mad TV that y'all might remember, with the bug eye. Look like her eyes about to fall out her head. And Saw Guerra, I'm sorry, Saw Guerrera, played by none other than Forrest Whitaker. Okay, so we got some prime people in here. But let me get into this information um, from Wikipedia on the settings and characters because that might shine a little bit um, home as well. So it says this. Five years after the execution of Order 66 and the beginning of the Great Jedi Purge, Former Jedi Padawan Cal Kestis, that's who you play as, is in hiding from the newly risen Galactic Empire. It can also be the police. On the planet Bracca, where he works as a scraper salvaging ships from the Clone Wars era, Cal uses the Force to save his friend Prof from falling to his death. The incident is recorded by an Imperial probe droid, also known as a drone, who relays the information to the Empire. The Empire sends two Inquisitors known as the Second Sister and the Ninth Sister to pursue Cal after they kill Prof. And these can be also considered, just by their names, the Second Sister and the Ninth Sister, black defenders of white supremacy. After they kill Prof, Cal makes his escape, briefly engaging the Second Sister before being rescued by a former Jedi Knight named Seer Junda. That's the other sister played by Deborah Wilson and her partner, pilot Grease Dritas, okay? Sheer takes Cal to the planet Bagano, hoping that Cal may have been able to access an ancient vault. On the way to the vault, Cal befriends a small droid named BD-1, who shows him a message from a former Jedi master named Eno Cordova. The message reveals that the vault was built by, and here we go, an ancient civilization called the Zepho. So right off the bat, you have to go back to Kimmet and you have to go uh, discover this ancient civilization. They call them the Zepho, we'll call them the Kimites. And that a Jedi holocron containing a list of Force-sensitive children, that's another key. 
and going right after the children. So this holocron contains a list of four sensitive children that have been hiding inside uh, this holocron hidden by Cordova. Seer believes the list could help rebuild the Jedi Order, but the only way to access the vault is to follow Cordova's path. Cal heads to the Zepho homeworld and explores an ancient Zepho temple. I'm sorry, an ancient Kemite temple. There he finds a clue pointing to Cordova's friend, the Wookiee, Chief and Tarful, on the planet Kushik. So I'm just going to leave that there. But what you just heard in that last paragraph that I read was some key points. One, you explore an ancient civilization to help you rebuild your Jedi Order. Two, the Order is being held up by these Force-sensitive children. So you might call them Indigo children, the new generation, Generation X, Millennials, whatever you want to call them. They are the ones who we're going to have to look for to get us up out of this mess because they are the new, uh, the new order. They're coming up. Um, now, and then he heads. Oh, go ahead. No, I just when you get finished with that, I just uh, wanted you to kind of let us know. The ancient Jedi, what was they about and what was, you know, mm. their power? Perfect. And I, I will do that right now because it's perfect time okay. for that. Well, actually, it's, that was a, that was an excellent segue. So I just finished that little piece up, and I just wanted to mm-hmm. hit home. The Jedi, the black people, trying to rebuild the Jedi Order, looking for the children that actually have the knowledge and who have the, the Jedi vision. Through the ancient temples in ancient Kemet are Zepho, and they have to go to the planet Kashyyyk. Now, Kashyyyk is very, very similar to what we will call Africa, and I'll get into how that is in a second. So, but upon your request, before I go a little bit further into how this all relates to black people again, let's go back into the ancient Jedi, just like you said, and let's tap into that. Number one, your force, you have quite a few forces both Melanin and the Hekau. And in this book, African Psychology, which we may be going over next in our next class, I'm just going to read you this little piece that Dr. Wade Noble laid down. And this is what your force can do. It says this, and this is book, African Psychology, Wade Nobles, page 88. It says, Wilson contended, and they're talking about Amos Wilson, like Welsing, Francis Cress Wilson, and King, Dr. Richard King, that the study of melanin is important in the study of black people. He noted that even white researchers have admitted black superiority in the areas of mental development, neurological functioning, and psychomotor development. All of these, he rightfully points out, are related to a high level of melanin. He asserts that it is wrong to conceptualize melanin as simply a coloring agent for it is an integral part of the psychosomatic system. So that just that's a little piece I want to break down to you really quick because it lets you know what your force is. Okay. Then I can finally <clears throat> excuse me, get into the myth and symbol in ancient Egypt by Rundle, I'm sorry, R. T. Rundle Clark. Okay. Pick that book up. It is a fascinating book. But before I get into it, the Jedi. And the ancient Jedi Order. The Jed Pillar, once again, was the backbone of Asar, who is a staple in ancient Kemetic spirituality. Okay? He is the father 
He is the one who Heru, who is uh, likened to Jesus, has to lead you through as you deceased. You are led through the hall of Ma'at and through the judgment scene to Asar. Okay? He rules the underworld. He rules the divine night. He rules the other side. He rules death. Okay? So this is Asar. Death was revered because that's the only truth. You might spend, what, 60, 70, maybe if you're lucky, 110 years on earth, the rest of the eternity, unless you reincarnated, uh, you're going to be on the other side with a saw. So he is very important. That Jed pillar was one of his main symbols. So whenever you've seen that Jed pillar, you know that was him. And the priest who followed him in Abju, also known as Abydos, that is one of the gnomes in ancient Kemet, we might know it as a city here today. Those priests were considered Jedis because of the Jed Pillar. Okay? They carried the Jed Pillar. They engaged in what's called the raising of the Jed ceremony that we went over in the last um, episode that we did. And what I'm going to do here in this book is read you a little bit about the Jed Pillar. Okay? So here I turn to page 235 in the book, and it goes over the Jed column. Okay? It says, Osar, excuse me, did not rise up as an active man and leave the tomb or underworld. In the developed theology, it was his soul that was set free to ascend as a star or in the life forces of the ensuing year. And you could also look up in the sky right now and see him, and you might call him Orion. But way before there was anybody named Orion, that was known as a star. Okay? The god was more than his myth. I told you all that earlier. He was the spirit of life itself, manifest in the sprouting of vegetation and in the seed of animals and men. But the greatest religious achievement of the Egyptian was to take this general fertility god and make him into the savior of the dead, or more exactly, the savior from death. Okay, so we had that a little bit twisted. It was in the soul of Osar that the Egyptians believed they would live on. The rising of Osiris of Osar's soul was therefore the sentimental core of life, the central fact in the structure of the universe. To signify his tremendous thing, they used a fetish from their half-forgotten past, a strange wooden object called the jet pillar. The rites of Osar uh, simulated the passion of the god in a great detail. On the last day, the ceremonies culminated when the king or chief priest said the jet, set the jet column upright. This act probably began as a simple harvest ritual carried out by the prehistoric peasants of the Delta. But all over the ancient world, the reaping of the harvest was imagined as a killing and dismemberment of a spirit whose vital essence was kept in the last sheaf. And the harvest ended with rites which reasserted the life of the spirit. The Jed certainly comes from this world of folk custom, however complex they may later have become. When the Jed is upright, it implies, it implies that life will go on in the world. Okay, So those followers of Asar, those priests of the Asarian priesthood, those were your original Jedi. And there are even books that I have read that said those Jedi were actually later on uh, the Essenes from the Bible who leave that area, and then they go ahead and uh, discover the Dead Sea Scrolls or hide the Dead Sea Scrolls. Um, start the Septuagint and the Tanakh and the Pentateuch, which are all 
original versions of the Bible and essentially give you Christianity, Islam, and the Judaism of today. So those Jedis had the force. They had the melanin. They had the foresight. They could do amazing things, and we talked about um, what they could do and what the Greeks said they can do when we had the Bookstone Legacy. The Greeks came in, and they said that these were amazing men. They had control over the uh, elements. They could talk to animals. They could read people's minds. This is literally right out of Stolen Legacy. So this is telling you what the Force can do. And these are all things that you see happening with the Jedi and the various Star Wars trilogies. Okay? So that's just a, a breakdown of who the original Jedis were. Your ancestors. Okay? You don't have to look no further than what's already inside of you. And each person can be a Jedi because you got a Jed pillar, which is your backbone. All you have to do is hold it upright and make sure you put the eye on top of that, which is your third eye. You will have the Jedi vision. You are going to have to get your order back together okay? because right now you have a shattered past and a scattered history. And what we're doing is putting that back together so you can move lock, stock, and barrel. And one of the brothers uh, sent me some interesting information earlier today, and he was talking about the things that the brothers and sisters are doing on the continent to get us all back together. So I think it's maybe about uh, 50 leaders of the Organization of African Unity are not only offering citizenship and land to um, Africans uh, you know, throughout the diaspora who want to come back home, but they're also uh, unifying business. They're unifying housing. They're calling for doctors and architects to come back to help to rebuild Africa, and especially in the, the places that have been hit the hardest through colonialism. So what you're seeing right now is a rebuilding of the Jedi Order. We almost into 20, uh, 2020, and you can see things are already starting. So those Jedis are out there. They're looking for you. They're calling for you. A lot of you out there are the children of the Jedi. You, those Force-sensitive children, those melanin-sensitive children that just need to be awakened a little bit and activate your Force. And that's what we're doing partly here today with this information. Okay. So... Mm -hmm. Now, when you say your your back, when you say your backbone, are you talking about the spine or another part of the back? The, the spine. The, you are absolutely correct. Okay. The spine. And if you Google or look up or just search a picture of the Jed Pillar, D J E D, African Jed, you will see exactly what it looks like, and it looks like a backbone. Okay. Mm. And it was, it was painted actually, on each of the sarcophagus. On the where the backbone was supposed to go, because the, in the ritual when you were buried, uh, you were, your coffin was stood upright before you were placed in the tomb. So your jet uh, pillar was erected even in death. So it was not something that you only did while you were alive. Even your ancient ritual to go on to the other side—that's a rites of passage, by the way. You have various parts of your life, from birth to puberty to death. That was also a rites of passage. You being able to stand upright before you made your transition. So that's why in the movies, when we used to look at those mummy movies, they always showed you that the mummy was upright, wasn't buried mm. in the ground. You know what? I never thought about that, but you're right. A lot of times they weren't laying flat on their back. A lot of times they were already standing mm -hmm. up and the tomb just opened up. Yeah. And they just walked out. Yeah. So that just goes to yeah. show you the hidden science right in front of your eyes, and we weren't able to see it because we didn't have the right vision. 
And here you right. go again, dropping it on our head. Excellent, excellent synopsis right there. So you are the Jedi's, but it don't stop there. Because although we had the video game that we just discussed, we also have a movie coming out very, very soon. And that movie is called uh, The Rise of Skywalker. Okay. Now, in the ancient mythology, Skywalker be, would be likened to Heru. And if you know anything about Heru in ancient African mythology, he was the savior. He came and avenged his father, Asar's death, and Asar was killed by his brother, Heru's uncle, Set. And this should sound very familiar, especially if you've seen Star Wars or The Lion King. So Set kills Asar. Heru comes up as the avenger, kills Set, and then rules over the living. This is who Skywalker plays in the Star Wars trilogies. Okay. So now this is called The Rise of Skywalker, but it's played by a female, a small 90-pound white female. And you know Dr. X always talks to us about the fake feminine. And you have these 90-pound white females who come and save the world. You got the same thing here. Okay. So they are considering them as the rise of Skywalker when we already know who the real Skywalker is in the rebuilding of the Jedi Order. So I'm just going to give you a brief synopsis of what that says, and you'll see how that connects to everything that we are discussing here today. And what I'll do for this one is I'll go into uh, – what is this article from? It is Star Wars Episode Nine release date, cast, director, and theories from CNET. Okay, So if you just look at CNET.com and look up Star Wars Episode Nine release date, cast, and director – You'll get this. And it says the plot. I'll read a little bit from here. Abrams, who's J.J. Abrams, the writer of uh, these Jedi, or these Star Wars, at Star Wars Celebration Chicago, that the movie will focus on the newest generation of characters and what's been passed down to them. It'll also take place sometime after The Last Jedi, allowing for characters to have grown a bit since we last saw them. This movie is about this new generation and what they've inherited, the light and the dark, Abram said. And if you rewind to a couple of episodes ago, when we did a uh, three-part expose on Hekau, we told people there is no such thing as black and white magic. There's only one magic, and it's only how those interpret it. One person might look at that particular magic and say it's black, but another group might look at it and say it's white, depending on what the outcome is. Okay, So even he, J.J. Abrams, recognizes that, which lets us know that he understands African spirituality. It's, well, I'm going to read that part again. This movie is about this new generation and what they've inherited, the light and the dark. And it goes on to say the first trailer emphasizes this theme, showcasing Ren, I'm sorry, Ray, Finn, Poe, and the other stars of the sequel trilogy. But in voice, we only hear Mark Hamill's Luke Skywalker and Ian McDyard's Chief Palpatine. Okay, we know who Mark Hamill is. He's that original Skywalker from the old school Return of the Jedi. And he says, we have passed on all we know. A thousand generations live in you now, Luke says in a voice, uh, Luke says in a voice over. But this is your fight. This is what we need to be telling our children. We have passed on all we know. A thousand generations live in you now, but this is your fight. Okay. 
But Palpatine's cackling laugh plays right after Skywalker says, no one's ever really gone. Possibly meaning that both light and dark Star Wars characters might be living on after death. Did we not just read in Rundle T. Clark's book that by going through a SAR, you could have eternal life? It seems like they figured it out here as well. Because once again, he says, no one's ever really gone. Possibly meaning that both the light and dark Star Wars characters might be living on after death. So you can see these uncanny similarities between what we are going through as a people and what's being written down on the screen, in video games, and everywhere else. All you have to do is identify the mythology, see it with your 2020 vision, and be able to act accordingly. Okay, Very, very fascinating information. And just to hit it home real quick, I'm going to read a couple of sections from the actual video game so that you guys get to see how close this is coming to what you got going on. Okay? So right here, it says chapter one, rebuilding the Jedi Order. After revealing she no longer uses the Force, Seer sent Cal to an ancient vault. Along the way, Cal finds a friendly droid named BB-1 who joined the quest. On their journey, Cal reached out to the Force, uh, remembering his ability to wall run. Inside the vault, he projected a message from his former master, Eno Cordoba, detailing how a hidden holocron containing a list of Force-sensitive children within it. To access it, Cal must find the tombs of three Zepho sages. This is nothing different than you going to go pick up a book about ancient Egyptian philosophers, or ancient Yoruba philosophers, okay, or ancient Vodun philosophers. With BD's aid, Cal embarks on a journey to rebuild the Jedi Order. But that's nothing. When we get to the actual tomb of Elrond, when they finally find one, uh, it says this. In the eye of an enormous storm, Cal and BD-1, uh, they discover, well, I'm sorry, they help him to rediscover his ability to push objects with the Force. As they were leaving, Cal and BD found another hologram from Cordova pointing them to Kashyyyk. Remember our, earlier I told you that Kashyyyk is Africa. So let's go see what's going on with Kashyyyk really quick. Well, we got chapter three. It says, while descending into Kashyyyk's atmosphere, the Mantis crew became embroiled in a skirmish between Imperial forces and freedom fighters, right, fighting for their freedom. Believing Wookiee Chieftain Tarful could be among them, Cal jumped ship and hijacked an AT-AT, piloting it right into the infam infamous Sagera. Sagera is uh, uh, Forrest Whitaker. Saw and his fighters were in the middle of a campaign to liberate a nearby Warsher Sap refinery. With the possibility that Tarful could be one of the Wookiees detained there, Cal and BD-1 agreed to help him. What does all that mean? Remember, Kashyyyk is Africa. They descend in there, and you find Saw Guerra, who's a general. He happens to be a black man, played by Forrest Whitaker. And we know Forrest Whitaker got one of the blackest necks in Hollywood. And what goes on? It says that freedom fighters, literally says freedom fighters right here, are attempting to liberate a nearby Warsher Sap refinery. Now, I'm going to tell you what's going on at this point in time. The Empire has gone into Kashyyyk, which is Africa, and they have set up these various refineries to take the sap out of the oil, uh, out of the ground, 
so that they can make these uh, high-powered weapons. No different than the empire going into Africa, taking out the gold, the silver, the cobalt, and making iPhones and Apple uh, uh, computers and laptops and uh, big-screen TVs and plasmas and all that. So you get to see your life is literally um, a big, gigantic story to them, a mythology. You are the mythology. Without black people, there would be no mythology for the United States of America. Okay? And lastly, I just want to give you a little bit from the remnants of a lost civilization. This is what you hear about the Zepho uh, people, also the Kemites. It says this. Offerings are one of the things you find. It says, these relics contain materials that aren't native to Bagano. Their fragile structure indicates they were purely decorative, potentially objects of religious significance. It's possibly they were carried here as a form of pilgrimage. Okay. Also, there's inscriptions inside the tombs. Hmm, I wonder who else got inscriptions inside their tombs. It says, the vault is built out of carnite, a hard stone rich in material. Its inner walls are decorated with metallic plating and inscriptions. The glyphs, and they use that actual word glyphs, don't return results in any galactic databank, suggesting the language has been lost to time. At one time, that was the Middle Nature, or the language, uh, the language of our ancient ancestors, the Kemites. So that was just a little bit from the actual video game, which lets you know who they're talking about. Not only that, but we talk about how important it is to meditate regularly on the show, and one of the main things that you do as the Jedi is meditate. You try to find these meditation spots, and every time you find a meditation spot, you are allowed to replenish your energy. You are allowed to activate different um, uh, actions that you can do, either get your level up on force or your lightsaber skills or just your survival techniques. So uh, meditation is a very, very integral part of what you do in this particular video game. So the parallels are fascinating. And you get to see exactly what's going on and what you need to be doing in 2020. Reconnecting those lost pieces, looking back to your history, and do it Sankofa style. Use that history to move forward. And you know what? I'm going to stop really quick, Sister Bev, because that mm-hmm. reminded me when I said Sankofa. I have to give you props and your platform props because I was just reached out to by somebody who uh, heard me on this particular program. And their business mm-hmm. is entitled Universal Sankofa. They are a clothing okay, owned clothing. Go ahead. No, I say excellent. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's fascinating. Um, it's a black owned clothing line called Universal Sankofa. Check out their website at universalsankofa.com. I was able to do a collaboration with them where they sent me a couple of, uh, or they sent me a shirt and some stickers and things like that, and I was able to do a YouTube video where we talked about uh, school shootings and mass shootings and basically how to stay safe during a mass shooting, which we might get into on a later mm-hmm. show. But we did some cross-pollination, okay. and we've been working together, and that's what platforms like this are for, for people to reach out and connect with each other, rebuild the Jedi Order so that things may move smoothly on into the future. Raising up those forces yeah. of children. So I have to give you props for that because your um, platform brings a whole lot of people together who otherwise wouldn't have that opportunity. Thank you. So, yeah, right. absolutely. Thank you. Out to you. And uh, Universal Sankofa, if you out there, I'm giving you props too. 
Big ups. Keep doing what you're doing. So, yes, I, I think that gives us a good idea as to Jedi Vision 2020. But that okay. was just the first part. And although I know we may not get through all of this, the second mm-hmm. half brings us into the psychology of C. Okay. Now, what I told you a little bit earlier was that C was a uh, Apple TV series that is actually a complete series now. All You can get all one through eight episodes, so the whole series is complete. And this series is probably even closer to our experience than the Jedi's were. And when I get into reading you the synopsis, you, your head might fall off. So just make sure you strap it on tight because this is pretty fascinating. So, and, and before you get into it, Baba, I want to okay. tell the people that um, if they want to continue to listen, call in and listen over the telephone, 323-642-1586, because in about 15 minutes, you won't hear us on the Internet, but you can continue to hear us on uh, the phone. And if you have any questions or comments, all you have to do is push the number one. Okay, Baba. Perfect. Excellent. Excellent. All right. So I gave everybody a brief synopsis on what C was about. I was able to watch all eight episodes, and I can't wait for season two to come out. But I have this article right here called uh, What is Jason Momoa Apple TV Show C About? A Primer. It'll give you a little bit of information on what this actual um, series is about. So let me get into this real quick so I can give you a good idea. Okay. It starts off like this. There's a series called C about humans living without sight in the far future starring Jason Momoa and Alfred Woodard. The show explores the idea of what would happen to society uh, if human beings stopped being able to see, as well as what it would uh, mean if people started being born who developed the ability to see once again. Okay. Through a, voiceover, through a voiceover from a child, the C trailer explains, centuries from now, almost all humans have lost the ability to see. Some say sight was taken from them by God to heal the earth. For the few who remain, vision is only a myth. But after so many years, the power of sight has returned. So if you watch the trailer, you'll hear a little boy saying what I just said to you right now. So what happened? How did people even get blind in the first place? What's going on here? It says this. The first episode explains that in the 21st century, which is where we're at right now, a virus decimated humankind, leaving only 2 million people alive and without sight. The show itself is set around 200 years in the future, according to The Hollywood Reporter, and the descendants of the humans attacked by the virus cannot see either. Okay, Now, that, that's kind of interesting because there is a virus that will actually make you go blind that they tried to give to us by the name of syphilis. Okay, remember the Tuskegee experiment. Let's continue this. Now it says, that is, until we get the driving force of the series, um, and her name is Magra. 
she arrives at the village with a, a leader, and that leader is uh, Jason Momoa. She's pregnant with twins with a man who is black, but who we don't know who he is just yet. That guy's name is Jerla Morale, and he's on the run. But he was born without sight, meaning they're also his, the children are also going to be born without sight. Now, Magra is the mom of the two twins that we talked about earlier. Jerla Morale is their daddy. He's on the run. He's referred to as a witch, and the empire, which is the, uh, the overall rulers of this particular area, are out to find all the witches. Anybody who has sight is considered a witch. Okay? Now, we can already juxtapose that onto what's going on with us today. If we say anything outside of uh, Jesus, Christianity, Muhammad, Islam, we witch. We practice in witchcraft, and we're doing all kind of X, Y, and Z. But what you have to understand is it's really just the ability to see. So all you really have to do is have the ability to see. Okay? Now, it says, so far, three episodes of see. Well, this was in the past. But it says, so far, uh, the three episodes of see that have been released, some reviews have noted that they leave a lot of questions lingering. So we're going to try to answer some of those here. Okay? Now, the interesting part of this is the queen that's in charge right now is the sister to the woman who has the black twins, who got with the black guy by the name of Jerma Morale, who's a witch that's on the run that nobody can find. They sent out a top general to go try to track him down, and his name is the Witch Hunter. Okay, so they run around all the place looking for this Jerma Morale. Jerma Morale leaves the kids a treasure chest and tells Alfre Woodard, who is basically their caretaker, says Alfre Woodard, look. I'm going to give this to the children. Do not open it until they're a certain age, but don't let anybody else know what's in this chest. So for a while, a few episodes, you don't know what's in this chest. You're trying to figure out what's going on. Once the kids get older and they're starting to move around, you know they can see already. You start to figure out what's in this chest. So Alfre Woodard opens up the chest one day against the mother's wishes. The mother doesn't want them to open up this box. Remember, the mother's blind. But she's also sister to the main queen, so she's really royalty, but for whatever reason, she's living amongst the peasants. The mama doesn't want them to see what's inside of this treasure chest, but later on, Alfred Woodard opens it anyway, and what's inside of there? Books. Books and books and books and books. No different than what you need to be doing. Don't necessarily need to be doing books or be books, but accessing information that's going to help you reconnect your past. So they read all this information, and they get smarter, and they get uh, better hunting skills. They get uh, you know, just more aware of what's really going on. They start making references to different poets and things that are popular at certain different times, and they are obviously uh, leaps ahead of everybody else in a particular village. So they are also going to be hunted because the queen sends out the witch hunter, kills the entire village except the mama, Alfie Woodard, the two babies, and Jason Momoa. So they are essentially on the run for most of the series, trying to figure out where Jonah Morale is and trying to escape this crazy queen. Now, the queen, the queen is, is crazy as hell, but she does something that's um, really interesting, and we talked about it before on the show as well. She uses a form of magic, Hekau, in which she is able to communicate through 
to the gods while she is sitting in her throne getting cunnilingus from another woman. This is how she's able to communicate with the gods. She uses a sex magic ritual in order to communicate mm-hmm. with the gods, which they call the god flame. The god mm-hmm. flame is also Ra, ancient Egyptian mythology. But it don't stop there. The people where the twins used to live, that village that was decimated, they were called the alchemy. Sounds a whole lot like alchemy to me. And it sounds a whole lot more like magic. So even the village is called alchemy, the ability to turn base metals into gold, something that was started and practiced in ancient Kemet. So as we move forward in the series, things are happening, people are dying, they're taking everybody out, and then there's two names in there of the twins, which I haven't given you yet. The boy's name is Kufun, okay? Sounds a lot like Khufu, Great Pyramid of Khufu. If you understand And the girl's name is Hani Or Haniwa Sounds a lot like Ani Or the papyrus of Ani Both of those people Are important in ancient Kemetic uh, philosophy Because they're some of the oldest Writings that we have From those time periods So you have Ani and Khufu Running around Being chased down by the empire Being called witches but they're black, and they have the vision to see. This is what's going on. Along the way, they do meet another young brother. He's also black, and he's being kept in this colony where uh, nobody respects him. But he's an excellent fighter. So when they run across him, they find out he also has the ability to see. So what they're finding out now is, wait a minute. There's more of us out here. There's more of us that we need to connect with. We're able to see. This is our brother. He's able to see. Let's all link up together and let's move forward. So they all get together and they continue to move forward until they eventually find their daddy. Their daddy is in an old prison and has flipped it out, uh, hooked it up, put a generator in there, got lights and everything in there. And his family every day, they eat dinner together, they read books, they share information, and every single person in that house is black. So remind you, everybody in the alchemy or outside of uh, the journal morale uh, connection, they look like mixed or maybe like Native Americans or, uh, you know, a little in between. But when you see journal morale family and you see the twin that the, the white woman had, they, they black. You can, there's no mistake. And it almost looked like you watching um, us or something like that with the family. Black as hell. So mm-hmm. it's basically letting you know that this is you and that you, those of you who are out there can see will be hunted down. But there are others of you out there who are looking for others with similar light minds and also similar vision to connect with to go ahead and move forward. So the series comes to a climax and stops when Jason Momoa, who is – the children's uh, stepdad Because he raised them but he was not their biological father And Jerla Morale Who was their biological father But did not raise them So those two fight And at the end of that particular episode And this is a spoiler alert So cover your ears if you don't want to hear mm-hmm. Jason Momoa Pokes Jerla Morale's Eyes out So he mm-hmm. is no longer able to see 
he's laying there rolling around on the ground blind again, and they kind of leave the series there at that. But what we have to understand is that everything is literally laid out right in front of your eyes. And if you can't see it, you need to put your 2020 vision on, your Jedi vision 2020, because it is obvious what they are trying to tell you. They basically are banking that people are going to be so ignorant and so tapped out that they're not going to see what's going on. They're going to keep living their everyday life. This is just entertainment. It's just funny. It's just fun and games. Nothing is just entertainment. Nothing is just fun and games. It all has some means to an end. So that right there is the psychology of seeing. Seeing is not only about what you can visualize with your two eyes that are in front of you. It's about the vision about where you want to go. Also looking back in the past. Also being able to see things beyond what the light is pushing towards you. So you have metaphysical aspects, your experience, what you want to happen. It is an entire psychological process, a visual processing that you must engage in to really be able to see. And they were able to break that down to you, not only in Star Wars Jedi, but more importantly, in C. So it's, it's a very fascinating series, and I would recommend everybody go out there and just watch it and learn the mythology from it. You're not watching it to go support Apple. You're not going to watch it to support Jason Momoa. You are going to watch it to learn. It's basically one of those books that the children had to go dig up, uh, you know, that their father left them. That's what this series is kind of, kind of like. That's the only way you're going to find it. So before I get off of seeing and the psychology of seeing, what was our ancient view on seeing and the eye? Remember, we talked about the eye and how it was always brought up in ancient Kemet. So let me break down uh, this book again, Rundle C. Clark's Myth and Symbol in Ancient Egypt. Okay, And this is chapter 7, <laughs> very interesting, and on page 218 says this. The eye is the commonest symbol in ancient Egypt and Egyptian thought, and it's the strangest to us. Crawford has recently shown that the fertility goddess of the Neolithic world, both in Asia and Europe, was represented by an eye or eyes. Egypt almost certainly came within the orbit of this primitive eye cult, but the Egyptian sacred eye was so complex and individual that it is as yet impossible to relate it with ideas in other parts of the world. One fact does stand out. The comedic eye was always a symbol for the great goddess. I don't think people heard me. The Egyptian eye was always a symbol for the great goddess. Okay, Whatever name she may have had in any particular instance, it always represented the female energy. And by the way, in that uh, series C, there's the brother and the sister. They're both twins. Guess who is always out for adventure, down for adventure, uh, ready to kill if anything uh, goes down, has the best fighting skills, Seems to be the smartest. Hmm. It's the sister. The boy is always timid. He never wants to get into anything. He always wants to think twice about something and second guessing the group. Maybe we should go this way. This, you know, going straight ahead is too dangerous. The sister, like you better come on. She's taking out everybody, bows and arrows, choking them out, slicing them up. She's bad. 
So she definitely got the eye, and you can kind of see that throughout the series. So I want to see where that end up, ends up going. But I'm going to continue uh, with a little bit from this uh, chapter. It says, at the beginning of history, the high god of the Kemites was a falcon, which was shown either as a perching on a building or emerging from the primeval waters. Its right eye was the sun and its left eye the moon. So this bird cannot be taken in an absolute literal sense. Certainly, whenever the Egyptians pictured the eye of their god, they depicted a falcon's eye, not a human one. But, the, but at the back of their minds, there was another and almost forgotten deity, a man or just a face known as he who commands both eyes. Okay, That was an older deity. Now, it says that in English, but there was a comedic name to go along with that. He who commands both eyes, or in his alternative form, the sightless one. In either case, the eyes were regarded as separate things. The phases of the moon and the cycle of the sun's power were symbolized in rites and myths connected with healing or uncovering an eye. The general word for eye in Egyptian is iret, K-I-R-E-T, a feminine sound. When its, uh, when its parts were put together in the calendrical rite, the name was the ujat, again feminine. Okay. Turn to this next page really quick. And we also broke down, um, not only was the eye represented as a metaphysical symbol, it was a mathematical symbol as well. You were taught your fraction by learning the parts of the eye, the inner eye being a half, the pupil being a quarter, the eyebrow being an eighth, the other side of the eye being a sixteenth, um, the tear part of the eye being a 32, and then that drop right under it, a 64th. If anybody just looks up math and the Egyptian eye, you will see that, that symbol come up, and you can see that um, breakdown that I just told you. But what, what else does it mean? It's, it's the fundamental symbol equation of Egyptian religion. I equals flame equals destructive goddess equals cobra equals crown. Okay? All of those essentially are the same thing. They have gone through various transformations through time, but you can see how powerful it is. And now what I want to do is read a couple of hekaus or spells out of the coffin text that talk about sight. So spell 316 of the coffin text assumes that the eye has just been put in its present place by the high god at the time when he emerged from the waters. And it says, I am the all-seeing eye of Heru, whose appearance strikes terror, lady of slaughter, mighty one of frightfulness. This is a reference to the activity of the eye in the chastisement of mankind. Okay? It goes on to say, who takes the form of the blazing light, whose appearance Ra ordained, whose birth Atum established when Ra said to her, great will be your power and mighty your majesty over the bodies of your enemies. So being able to see and the eye is much more than visual. It's also an aspect of advancement and power. Okay. And you can see that outlined in the psychology of C or in the series C. Then I'm going to read one more here. Before we move on, because I think this is going to be pretty pertinent. Okay, it says they will fall howling on their faces. All mankind will cringe beneath you in your might. They will respect you when they behold you in that vigorous form, which the master of the primeval gods gave you. 
thus did he speak to me. Yes, the master of the primeval gods, even to me. I am, yes, I am a burning flame, but also the boon companion, the darling of Ra. I have seized the gods. There is no opposition to me, as the master of the primeval place declared. And when did this good come? I'm sorry, when did this god come? It was before the shadows were separated or the outlines of the gods were visible. And this is the place we bring it all to a close for the day and see if we have any calls or any questions. Because now you understand to put on your glasses, to put on your Jedi Vision 2020, and to be able to see it is much more just like the uh, the Transformer said, it's more than meets the eye. So right there is we will pause All right. and we will go okay. on to see if we have any calls or comments. Okay. All right. <clears throat> if you have any call, any comments, questions, uh, call in, push the number one, and the number is 323-642-1586. Okay. Thank you. Peace and power, everybody. Eight. How's everybody Peace doing? Peace and power. Hotel. Great, Hotel. great. Hotel, Uncle Jocinelle, good brother. Uncle Jocinelle, I say. Right, right, right. right. Uh, this is Ekwani Shai M Hotel, brother. Ooh, I say. That sounds fantastic. Ekwani Shai M Hotel. Yes, sir. Um, Shai M Hotel, I, excellent. Yeah, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, um, you know, good work as it relates to... Um, bringing clarity to our cosmology. You understand? Thank you. And a lot of times, you know, even as you talked about the eye, and if you don't mind, I add on a little bit. Um, Please. But a lot of times, that the eye, you know, when you, when you were talking, I was thinking about in the story uh, where uh, Haru had gotten his eyes or his eye gouged out, and yeah. the importance as as you you know we 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 know. The lineage of the story, you know, if it not be that, it is the story where Alset was actually going to find the phallus of Althea. Yep. And basically, mm-hmm. you know, when we look at the I, to me, right, to, mm-hmm. to, to our understanding, we understand that the I has everything to do with consciousness and our awareness, uh. our awareness to look in and to see who we truly are, not who we think we are, but who mm-hmm. we truly are, being able to relate. And from what I understand and my learning teaches me is having an African worldview, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we understand mm-hmm. what having a European worldview is like, where a lot of us as people, we don't see clearly. We look black yeah. on the outside, but in the inside or what, you know, uh, what, what our soul is leading to is not something that is feeding our ancestors. It's, it's something Thank that's you. feeding European ancestors. So even when you talked about the duality, right, the two yes. sides, the, you know, you know, even when we look at the Lord of two, the, of the two lands, that, that is the importance of, of, of incorporating Tahuti or the mm-hmm. aspect of having the, the, most high judge, right? And yep, we having yep. the ability to quote unquote discern. This is you got to have the eye of discernment. 
You got to have the eye of discernment. So this is the thing or is the place where we are able to see clearly. And when you talked about even in the cosmology of the women, because the eye of, uh, of Ra was actually, you know, when, 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 when you saw that uh, Heru had realized that somebody else had taken her place, that's mm-hmm. when she caused hell and she turned from the quote-unquote beautiful aspect of a woman into a quote-unquote woman scorn. And like you said, it's all the same right. aspect of femininity. But Thank you, you look at the restoration, the restoration of justice. When we bring the eye to any shrine, to any netarul, to any netar, it is to appease. It's the, it's the fact that we are moving in, in, in a mind or a matter of eerie ma'at that we are going to be doing ma'at, that we're going to be acting in a ma'atian manner and not as a one who's acting with their eyes gouged out. So, mm. you know, to me, that is what we get. We see the, in the cosmology that, that the, the presentation of the eye or the restoration of the eye means or shows something that was chaotic or something that was once disorderly now being restored by justice, by order. And when we're talking about who we are as a people, rather than us being all conflicted, chaotic, killing one another, seeing ourselves yeah. as white, seeing ourselves as everybody else, it's very important to tap back into our own ancestral consciousness in order mm. to properly feed, you know, that Haru. Because we know that Haru, even as we know that the eye is also the eye of Haru or the eye of Horus, right? And we yes, do know that yes. this is the important role of us carrying on because we know that all Harus are basically the living uh, descendants of the ancestors. So you are now the living children of your mother and father and now that we have the potential we must restore the 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 characters of our ancestors the characters of our mothers of our fathers of our elders in order to bring us to a pinnacle right we want Mm. to bring our bloodline to a pinnacle and when we're talking about egypt that is black power right that That is black folks were at a pinnacle at really showing the world so you know, like you, like you're doing, brother, and you know, able to break it down and show the importance of knowing our cosmology and tying those into what we see in some of the stories. A lot of because we know that you know Europeans, a lot of these people have only copied and taken away from our stories to only create their That's own. That's right. So we know that we are the true heroes or the true heroes. You know, uh, at that time. So, you know, thank you for 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 this 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 good conversation. And sister oh, Bev Bev D, I yeah. never knew that you engaged in these levels of conversations. I I, I uh, actually looked, uh, you know, over your some of your shows, but this is I think the, my first time calling in. But this is a wow. you know a great topic, great host, and a, and you know great show, great. Wow, uh, I've been a, I've been into metaphysics for years. Okay. Yes, yes. And that's yes, and, and that's great. And, and brother, I want to ask you a question. How yes, important sir. is it? Because now we have a lot of black folks that are quote unquote going the metaphysical route. They are approaching our ancient traditions in the manner that they are regurgitated, right? So rather than mm. talking about the tree of life or talking about the natural root. We will talk about the chakra system. 
How important yes. is yes. it to to as we're talking about the eye? How important is it to tap back into your organic eye, which is tied to your ancestral come up, your own ancestral greatness? How important is it to to you know? Because I think a lot of times nationality has a, has a lot to do with that conversation. Being able Absolutely. to stand up and proudly claim in that falcon, in that heroic form, like claiming who you are and who you are a child of. How important is that to actually go back into, the, to you know, support the traditions, um, you know, founded by our ancestors, rather than, well, every, first, rather than other stuff? Well, first of all, Brother Ishai Imhotep, I want to commend you for the work that you've done, and I can tell you have done intense study in this particular area, because if you were just listening to this show and was able to regurgitate all that, you have a photographic memory. I know nobody can listen to this show one time and be able to speak as knowledgeably as you just have on the subjects we just covered. So I wow. know that you've been doing in-depth study for a period of time. So you are actually a representative of what we discussed today as far as being able to look back and gain that access to the knowledge that we need to move forward. And how important is it that we know the original stories of where the metaphysics comes from? The importance of that is insurmountable because that's everything, and I'm going to tell you why. If you go and introduce into metaphysics first, it goes back to that allegory of the cave. You start to see things from, once again, not your own perspective and from somebody else's perspective, which is going to taint the entire view. So if you think that the jet pillar it's just a kundalini and that they're just interchangeable. Right. You have right. the wrong aspect. Absolutely. Even though it's, Thank you. you know, very, very similar, and they're talking about similar things, but when you get into the details, very, very different still. The same thing with the eye. The same thing when you talk about the chakra system or the wheels or the tree of life or the, uh, you know, the, the writings on the temple of Komombo. All of these things that have been adopted and, you know, a lot of these wizards and witches from the other side have done this where they've taken it. They said, this is new age. This is metaphysics. We're going to put a new label on it. We're going to slap this on it. That way it gets away from where it originally supposed to go. That's what we have to fight against. That's why it's so important for the children, the force sensitive children to get at a very young age because it becomes ingrained in their DNA. So they're not regurgitating what they just learned verbatim. It is in them. Just like it is in you, just like it is in me, and we can speak knowledgeably on the subject, not only speak it, but live it, and be able to uh, apply it to different aspects of your life and what's going on around you. It puts a nice worldview for you where it puts you in the center. It puts Africa in the center as, poor, as opposed to a Eurocentric view, which puts Europe as the center. So you're seeing everything from um, you know, metaphysics. You're seeing things from um, the Fibonacci sequences and all of these different mathematical formulas and Renaissance area where they literally were taking our documents and just regurgitate what we had already written down. So the importance of that, it can't even – a price can't be put on it, but it is absolutely necessary that we choose that new generation, give it to them, not only so they can pass it on to future generations, but so they can actually do something with it. When we learn this stuff older, as we, the older we get, it is good for us to have because we can pass it on, but it's limited in what we can do with it. We can still do some powerful stuff, believe me. We 
still do some powerful stuff. But when the children get it, that's a different level of power because they don't even know the untapped potential that they have. We don't even know the untapped potential that they have and what they might be able to create. Just like you talked about Kemet being at the pinnacle of civilization and what that might have been like. I was watching a Joe Rogan show because he's one of these people who attempts to try to you know, tap into our information. And he was saying, you know, they were bouncing around the idea of if you could be dropped off at any time in the world, where would you be dropped off and what would be going on? His answer, Joe Rogan's answer, the one who also was uh, on Tyrone Bigham, Ophir Factor, that's just a little aside, but that Joe Rogan said he would like to have been dropped off in ancient Kemet during the prime of the pyramid building age, building uh, of ancient Khufu. And he would just want to know what the people were like and how things were operate and what that civilization and the people and the, the practices must have been, a, been like at that period of time. So this is how they look at you and how they look at us and how they think about us. I just wish I could just be there for just a smidgen of a second because that's the highest civilization that we have come to the gods on earth was the ancient Kemites, the ancient Kemetic priests. So brother, what yeah. about before – what about before that? What about that, that's excellent the point too. What about the Galactic people? You know, before Kenneth. You, you absolutely on? right, Sister Beth. Because if you understand continuing with our spirituality, you understand that's a late form. Even in the old kingdom, which was what you know, supposedly around four thousand before the Common Era, we know that's not the right date. But even those documents state. We had this information before we came to this planet when we were living on the planet Sirius in the Sirius star system. So we've always known that we've been intergalactic beings. The Dogon knew the same thing. The Kemites knew the same thing. And even prior to, uh, you know, after leaving the Galactic Empire and coming on Earth, there was a, uh, had to be thousands and thousands of years of this hidden information of this sacred geometry, of all this information that we can use today to unlock literally magical patterns in what goes on around us. So you are right. Um, and you know who tries to weave themselves into that is David Icke. Cool. David Icke is like the British philosopher of the day that taps into metaphysical aspects, but he tries to say that they come from the, oh, I can't remember what star system he says they come from. It'll come to me in a second. Um, but he tries to throw that in there to try to get him a mythology like we've already had for thousands and thousands of years. So it's an intergalactic fight, and that's why it's going right back into space, actually. Mm-hmm. This is just a full circle yeah. from where we came from. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. battle doesn't stop there. So that, that's an excellent question, excellent point. This is cosmic information, and that's why yeah, the yeah. wisdom system. That's what it's about. And I, and I just wanted to add on, like, it's very important. That's why, you know, the cosmology is basically or a navigation system to kind of show you. Um, and there's no, you know, you have a lot of people there to say, hey, I know God or I know the Lord. And, you know, how can you possibly know the divine creator or your divine creator when you don't even know your own bloodline? You don't even know who your grandmother, your grandma's grandma was. or You don't know the importance of water. You don't know the importance mm. of your relationship to air. You understand? But you're mm. going to dare to say that you know the thing that is all. And I think 
it is very important that we actually trace our steps in um in, in an integral manner. And yeah. a lot of times we, we can't let our eyes be bigger than our stomach. And that's what I've, mm. I've actually saw some people actually just try to step over their ancestors to go somewhere else or, you know, step mm. over the work. And, and, and our ancestors laid down so much, even yeah. like the sister was, was, was speaking about, talking about, well, what did it take to, to actually bring about in Kemet? You know, it took 42 to pass or 42 nations or states to come together. Yep. You understand? Yep. With their own different identities with their own, and make yep. it work, right? And we do understand right. this, even when you look at Punt, when you look at look at Ethiopia, mm-hmm. and we look at yes. the progression, if we're looking at, we have to look at the progression of a thing in order to, you know, actually, like you said, it's, it's about the eye and restoring and making sure that mm-hmm. we are seeing, there not from go. the way where sand is in our eyes or where pepper is in our eyes, but you're actually able to open your eye. And, and, and as James Smalls told me, he said, the only thing that is and will ever be complete is your past because the present, whenever mm. you complete whatever you're doing in the present, it'll then be stamped and become the past. The future right. never exists as it relates because you're waiting on tomorrow. Tomorrow has to come, you know. You know. So the yes. only thing concrete we yeah. have to go off of is our past. So we want to make you. sure that we have our umpu up, you know, umpu. Mm, uh, it's not right. only the 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 natal or the aspect of the divine that is supposed to lead you through the underworld, through the afterlife. This aspect yes. is our own discriminate, uh, discriminatory aspect that we are able to see things clearly, being able mm-hmm. to sniff just as a dog does. He's going to sniff you. You understand? That's right. And we can tap into this. We wasn't calling ourselves dog people. We just understood <laughs> that we were one with nature. And just as that dog has certain qualities, characteristics, that dog has a car, we have a car as mm-hmm. well. And a lot of times us as humans, us as animals, everything is similar. You have somebody that will fight like a lion, and a lion mm-hmm. will fight, and you have this human that will fight just, just as a lion. So, you know, I just wanted to add that 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 in as Perfect. it relates to, to to going in and as what you, what you were just speaking about, you know, just making sure that we're clear. And if we're not, ask those questions. You know, don't, you don't and the ego, ego has everything to do with it because we know mm-hmm. that the ego was what we see inside the fight of Kutesh or Set and Haru, right? We that's know right. that that's all about the ego. You understand? Yep. And we understand that going away from the ego is very important as it relates to giving yourself confidence and how you mm-hmm. feel about yourself. But with anything, you want to have balance because when you get to having too much ego, that's when you tilt the scales and now you start Thank feeling you. yourself. Or what, what they used to say, you start smelling your stinking behind, right? So <laughs> this is where we, you know, this is where our people are and not actually being able to utilize this 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 thing as, as a service, but where. Now it's, it's it's going to be a thing that 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 really uh, hurts us. So uh, man, yeah, you, you guys have been on point, man. Yeah, you have been thank on you, point. Carla. Well, we thank you for your call. Absolutely, yeah, good job, you. brother Motel. Thank you. Thank you for that. Okay, we got um, let's see, two, three, six, three, three, three. Hey, what's up? Peace, love. Hotel, brother, how you doing? Can you hear me? 
Absolutely. Yes, you can. <laughs> hey, man, it's ironic that you're talking about C. Um, I'm a I'm a scenic artist out here in Vancouver, and I was working on that show this summer. Oh wow! You are what now? What, what, what position did you play? I'm a scenic artist, so I do like uh, oh, scenic, scenic artist. Yeah, so any of the I don't know how to describe it. Anything you see on the film, I did. Yeah. You know, wow. In terms of the set, yeah, that, and it was and especially uh, one thing I noticed. It was a beautiful set, and that, you know, all the episodes were absolutely stunning. Look at some of those image, family. You guys get a chance. My uh, my location was the prison that you were talking about. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> Everything in the prison, <laughs> yeah, I know, man. Wow. I'm just sitting here kind of tripping, man, because I'm like, you know, I work on a lot of these shows, you know, and I mean, I can't really say nothing about the story, obviously, but I hear you, um, oh, man. I would love to kick your brain. Yeah, what I, <laughs> I've been sitting here on hold, and I was about to hang out, but I thought, you know what? No, I got to talk to you guys tonight because this, this, uh, <laughs> this is That's ironic, right. you know. That is right, um, So, okay, in the prison set, um. It's a library, right? You like you obviously yeah. watched the whole show, right? Yeah, um, yeah. So there's a library. Every single one of those books in our library, I aged. Oh wow! Thirty thousand books, man. <laughs> I'm dead serious. You, you had to you had to draw them in there, or what? I had to. Well, I had to age them, so I had to make them look old and shit. You know what I mean? Oh, they get the books from. I see. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. So I had to make them make them look wow. fit in with the, with being you know a thousand years in the future. So, but one thing wow. that I'll say, bro, you know, uh, <laughs> it's funny because I end up working on a lot of these movies, man. And sometimes, you know, I don't always want to be there, but some some puts me there. You know what I mean? But yeah, there is a, you know, there is a heavy heavy hand of of occultism inside this business. You know, know, like you guys are talking about, obviously, people, melanated peoples of the earth, sort of finding, finding our our true calling, you know, our purpose, which is to be, which is to be divine, you know what I mean? But it's, it's funny how the writers for a lot of these shows, and I mean, like, (laughs) this one that I'm working on now, man, I mean, I can't even, um, I can't really talk about it much because I'm I'm basically on contract, you know what I mean? But I wish you could. But, uh, the, I I wish I could too, man. Because I'll tell you, you know, and we we will talk. You know, I mean, Sister Bev and brother okay. brother X. I, me and my family, we listened for years. You know, I'm from out here in Vancouver, oh, wow. in Canada. So this is a spiritual. Man. This is this is my church. You know. That's right. <laughs> Mine too. I hear you. Sometimes we have sometimes we have no place to go. You know, and this is where we Thank end you. up. Oh man, we you appreciate know? your so call. Yeah, man, I just wanted to show that little tidbit in there. And, and one thing is interesting wow. about these books, though, man, is uh, a lot of, of very deep and occultic books, man, where, where, where you know, I had to put my hands on, you know, and there's some wow. some deep, like, even that, that the location that that, that that prison set was in, it, it used to actually be a prison. And oh, really? I actually used to work doing, yeah, man, it used to be a youth prison. And I actually used to work doing oh, wow. snow shoveling and shit in the wintertime at that facility. And some shit happened with the kids in there, man. Like, <laughs> let me tell you oh, what, man. Like, oh, man. So, like, so these, uh, oh, yeah, man. Like, I mean, like, these locations that they do these shows at, they they have a lot of power behind them, too. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. there's there's many layers. It's not just uh 
a couple good actors and 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 some movie sets. You know, this thing is uh, it's scripted all the way, all the way to the core. You know what I mean? So That's excellent. I point. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right now, the, the show that I'm working on now, like I said, I can't talk much about it, but it's being filmed in a in an old insane asylum. And this particular, yeah, man. And let me tell you something, bro. <laughs> I mean, I spent my whole, I, I've been spending the last freaking four months in this place, and the shit that went on in this place, man, we're talking about uh, the MK Ultra experiments, we're talking about wow. uh, human human uh, freaking testing of all kinds, especially on yeah. you know, the natives, the, the natives up here in Vancouver. I mean, some serious stuff, man, you know what I mean? And it doesn't get... It doesn't get talked about a lot, but this, you know what I mean? This adds, you know, I swear yeah. that having a, a, a show filmed in a location like that, it adds to the energy behind the show. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And, Man, you need to protect like yourself saying, spiritual protection before you go up in there. <laughs> your, your stones and crystals and rituals, whatever you got to do, because oh, that's some powerful energy. Let me, let, me, let me tell you right now what I got, man. I got my unk made out of freaking carved from a, a cow bone out of Uganda, man, and, and that Ooh, shit strikes okay, fear in their hearts, man. <laughs> <laughs> and I, okay. They know me. They know me when I'm coming, man, because I got that on gone rain and shine, bro. You know what I mean? That's and right. That's a powerful symbol, it. man. Hey, bro, listen, that's a powerful symbol. You're the, the Jet brother, right? Because I swear I went to your website. Yes. You got some stuff about kids, right? Is that true? Yeah, yes, that's true. Okay, yes, man. Well, you know what? You know, yeah, man. I I remember because the last time you were on a couple of years back, I listened to it and you blew my mind. You, my, my wife That's was sitting true. there. I remember you were talking about the about the syrup. I'll never forget that. You're talking about where that oh, came from. It went way back into the. Yeah, man. Oh, that wow. one's burned in my memory, bro. So, but oh, you know, getting back to the whole African side of it, man. The unk. Wow. I mean, you know, because there's a lot of crosses out. <laughs> you can call a cross cross yeah. the unk, man. That thing, the power behind that, man, is wow. uh, scares. <laughs> you know, the wrong people, and it, you know, and, and it does wonders for the right people. So, anyways, I just wanted to throw that in there, man. I'm lo- I love this show. This show. Uh, this show is a spiritual show, you know. Thank you. It's that simple, you know. I mean, thank you. And what Sister Beverly's doing is, <laughs> my wife's all over your your YouTube channel, and uh, what you're I'll doing is, you know, you're, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, you're you're uh, you're making a, a ripple, a wave all over the world, you know, for that yes. matter, right? Yes. You're in Chicago. I'm sitting here in Vancouver. I don't know where you are, brother, but I mean, LA. this is a world a worldwide over. thing, man. L.A. Okay, so. That's it. I just I, I want to wish you guys serious peace and love, man. Because you know what? Like for a long time up here, I've been saying, "Oh man, because I, I, I got two kids and you know a, a young family, a wife, and I would you know there's not much of a black community here." And I, I mean, my you. wife, she's she's Haitian, she's Haitian, man. Um, oh wow, up here by, by white folks, though, man. You know oh, what man. I mean? Oh. So there's there's <laughs> They know about the energy, you know what I mean, and but that 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 heat fire, man. There's another thing there, you know what I mean, and it's like I agree. I wish sometimes, <laughs> I wish we had a place to go, like a church or something, but yeah. there's just nothing, and so this is where we end up, man, right here on this line. Well, keep coming back, you know. We gonna keep bringing it to you, right to the heart. Don't don't hey, break. You know, it, hey, you man. got some powerful information on me right now. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, not, I just I remember. Don't, not, I don't. <laughs> Uh huh. Go ahead. go ahead, please, please go ahead. 
No, oh, I was just going to say, I was just going to say those the writers and the producers of the uh, shows that you work with. You saying that they are heavy into the occult? They got well, to to be writing you stuff know, like this. First, first of all, what I'll, I'll say it like this. I don't know. I, I don't want to mm-hmm. make claims about people in this, that, and the okay. third. And, and some of the writers okay. that I know are are really good people, and they they're, they're do amazing mm-hmm. work. But for me, as as a person who studies this information, I, look, I grew up as a Jehovah's Witness, so I was okay. knee-deep oh, okay. in that side of it, too, As a, since, the, yeah. since the birth. I was out there knocking on doors from age five. So... I know the Bible like the back of my hand, and I know the occult like wow. the back of my hand, and uh, I can tell you without a doubt from what I see. I mean, yeah, absolutely mm-hmm. they are. I mm-hmm. mean, just mm-hmm. just from from uh, you know, and this, this, this you know Hollywood works like um, you know it's it's one of those things where not everybody knows what's going on, and not everybody has to know what's going on. You know what I mean? I mean, right? Uh, you know, you, people people, and also you know people have a desire to be involved. And and I realize people will do whatever it takes to be involved. You know, uh, yeah, absolutely. People want to be in show business, and so and you know what? And a lot of people don't know any better either. You know, that's another thing. I don't. I think sometimes we sit, we ridicule uh, certain black people, or we ridicule certain people for not, um, you know, what I mean, for not doing better. But you know what? You can't do better unless you know better. You know, right? Exactly. So, we 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 are you know I'm I'm those of us who are on here listening all the time we know but a lot of people don't yeah. you know and that's what that's makes what you guys do so important so, you know yeah, but yeah oh, the man. occult okay. yeah the occult is yeah I mean one day it would be great I don't know if you guys could ever get hooked up with Jordan Maxwell he's a white guy but uh <laughs> Bev, I think Jordan you would you would absolutely I don't know if you ever heard of Jordan Maxwell but um no, yeah, I'm he does a lot of stuff about Hollywood. Yeah, please look them up. I mean, I, uh, anyways, I mean, yeah. And the thing is, you know, the the occult, we we are like, talk about crystals. I mean, we are, and I say this as being a melanated individual, you know. I mean, I, I'm, yeah. I'm part mm-hmm. white, too, but, I mean, hey, yeah. uh, you know. So we but, all are at this point. Well, yeah, I mean, we all, you know what, I'm a mom. My mom, she's she's part South, she's part South African, part Portuguese, part German. My dad, he's, I mean, we go five generations all the way back to the, the family that, that brought them over here to they, McIntyre, Georgia, man, as slaves, you know what I mean? Wow. Like, they were some of the first slaves in McIntyre, man. So, you know, I got it all. But as melanated people, we got that, like, we're like crystals, man. And so when these, yes. when these productions, people who know what's up, and they mm-hmm. pick certain black people all the way from below the line to above the line, yeah. which, that let me explain what that means. In Hollywood, you have people above the line, this is actors, producers, then you got the rest of us who make the show, but you don't see okay. us. You never know who we were. You know what I'm saying? But okay. they, they still know that as 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 colored people, as not just colored, but as black people, we have resonance that, you know, and and that's valuable to them. You know, they know that. <laughs> just yeah, like we're talking absolutely. about tonight. They, they know that. You know, and, they know, so, and they use it, and they have no problem using it, man. You know. And uh, wow. anyways, man, <laughs> no, this is a, lot of us, a lot of us don't know it because they, you know, they gave us religion instead of the spiritual side of things. But I'm, I'm well, noticing that a lot of the young people are coming out of the religion and they really got into it. the spirituality. You got it. Well, there's a war between the two mm-hmm. generations, Sister Bev, I swear. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. me, I'm 30, okay, so I'm... 
I'm mm-hmm. considered maybe a millennial, but you know, people, my mom and my my dad, their age, they're baby boomers. There's a war between these two generations, mm-hmm. you know, where yeah. where a way of life that was once, uh, you know, that once worked in this gen- 2020, it's a whole new world. It's a brave there you new go. world, yeah. you know, and. And so there's a, there's a, a conflict there, right? That yeah, I'm sure you read the book. There's a conflict there, man. And 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 I think that you know your show your show bridges that gap. Damn it! Oh wow, it yeah. does. <laughs> I mean, you know, it really does. The gap between all generations, That's on and it. off the planet. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> amen. You know, because oh man, you know this. <laughs> wow. Anyways, you know, I'm sure there's other people who want to talk so. I'm going to jump off, but, you know, hey, thank you for letting me have a minute. Hey, I'm always name, listening. My name is Tay. Tay? Yeah, like a taser. Perfect. Taser. Okay. Pleasure to meet you, brother. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Calling yeah, man. And you know, thank you. You know, I, I appreciate you. You've been with us for a while, so thank you so much for being part of the family. Yeah, Amen. Yeah, I know. I, I I got you on Facebook. I I see your uh I see your posts and everything, and you're inspirational, Sister Bev. So thank you. And uh, yeah, we'll, well talk thank soon. You. Peace and love. Okay. I right. say. Peace and love. I hope okay. so. Okay. Uh, we don't have any more hands raised. If you want, to, we still got a few more minutes. If you have any comments okay. or questions that you want to uh, ask Baba Kentu. Uh, you can uh, push the number one, and uh, you still have time here. Let me see. 773-895-773-895-773-895-773-895-773-895-773-895-773-895-773-895-773-895-773-895-773-895-773-895-773-895-773-895-773-895-773-895-773-895-773-895-773-895-773-895-773-895-773-895-773-895-773-895-773-895-
So 007, right, right, right. we understand that connection going back to uh, John D. and Queen Elizabeth, but specifically that black connection. He knows about the golden eye, and what did we just say the eye represents? What did uh, the Kimites say the eye represents? Power, flame, female aspect. So in order for golden eye or 007 to get the ultimate power, he can't stay as a blue-eyed um, homosexual. He has to turn into a powerful sister. And you're right. I watched the trailer for that, and yeah, he's either they tagged him. I can't tell if they're going to tag him and do both, or he's going. She's going to take over. But you're right, brother. It's, you know, it's, it's in the documents. It's already there. So that's what I would say is the reason for them trying to switch it on up. They know they can only get the ultimate golden eye power from a sister. They know. It. That's what it means. Right, right. And then, like I said, all the all this time, all these James Bond films, and now all of a sudden, this transition is supposed to happen in 2020. That's not an accident. That's the point. That is a good point. <laughs> I'm mad that we didn't throw that one up in here, but man, I, you know, the guest that's been calling in tonight, y'all been dropping. Y'all have definitely been dropping. So, yeah, thank you for bringing that little point in there, brother Derek. But um, I can't wait to go see that one too. But you know. Even Spectre, I don't know if you saw Spectre, um, which was the last James Bond film, that was all about um, essentially Baron Samby, who is another form of of uh, Asar, but he's from the, the Vodun pantheon, and that's why you see all the skulls and all the calveras, which they're called in Spanish, all around mm-hmm. in Mexico City uh, during the Day of the Dead, which is also um, you know the day before the celebration of Baron Samdi, which is on November 2nd. The Day of the Dead is November 1st. So they got all kinds right, of... Right, right after, right after like Halloween. Right after Halloween. That whole week. I don't know if we've ever done this before, but one day we're going to have to get into um, the fall celebrations and how along that whole entire week you have Baron Samdi celebration, St. Martin de Porres, who's a, a saint who is representative of Baron Samdi. You got Halloween, you got Soul Win, you got um, you know, countless celebrations that represent the other side so yeah that time of year is, is special that's when the lines between living and the death are blurred right during those equinoxes mm-hmm. yeah wow, wow. In, uh, interesting yeah fascinating. And, and, right and then like what's been going on like um with this whole Trump impeachment thing and mm. the mm. shootings there's, yes, there's some yes. tough connection between the two. Um, like I said, Beverly, you know, we we talked about this on your show. Uh, was it this week or last week? You know, and it's yeah. like, what's going on behind the scenes that that the um the crowd, the average people, don't know about? You know, while we're having all these these shootings, and somehow one way some black people are connected directly yeah. interacting with these shootings. There's something, you know, spiritually, esoterically going on with this, you know. Yeah. And um, right. especially, like and I look, said, the time of the month, December the 12th, the de- December 13th, the 14th. I'm like, Friday the 13th. Yeah. Exactly. On top of it. And, and you know, then look it, at all the beauty, and look at all the beauty tags. Every one of I just saw black it. women. Yeah, well, that's interesting. Right, that's, that's, that's right. And look at the uh, the the black girl. That's the um, gymnastics. She's breaking all kind of records. She's like yes. phenomenal. 
Simon, yes. what, is, what is the name? Simon Biles or something like that? Uh, Simone Biles. Yeah, yeah. Simone, Simone Biles. Biles. Right, right, right. Yep. It, you know what's funny about that one is literally it was like a day or two before she started breaking all those records. I want to say her brother had got caught for smoking like four or five people at like a house party on New Year's Day. It was crazy. It was like mm-hmm. maybe the next day it happened. So, yeah, mm-hmm. look that up, and you'll see Simone, brother, Simone Biles' brother had just got brought up on charges like the day before she started breaking records. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, it's definitely stuff going on in the cops. Yeah. yeah. It's lining up. It's lining so, up. And, 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 and it's funny, right, and it's funny now with – um. I think we had talked about this before. It's something going on with Ezekiel Elliott, the running back from the Cowboys. He wears the number okay. 21. Something happened okay. with his dad yesterday. They talked about he brought up, he was brought up on charges, doing something crazy with animals or something. And I've uh-huh. been noticing, like, it's been in, I don't know if you keep up with sports or whatever, but, like, yep. um, Terry Glenn, son committed suicide on Thanksgiving. And there's a lot of oh, stuff really? going on with these black former Ohio State players that was, that played in the NFL. And I don't know. I think, like I said, I'm, I'm just going to say that I think these some type of sacrificial rituals or something. But it keeps happening over and over again. You, you know? That, that's funny that you say that because I was reading the article that you sent me about Larry, uh, Larry Johnson, you know, that used to play for the Chiefs, and how he was right. saying that Dwayne Wade was engaging in, uh, what was it, Masonic rituals. Um, for for death and um, destruction or something like that. You know, so, yes, yeah, because you know his cousin got killed up here a couple of years ago. Oh, killed where? Uh, right here in Chicago. She got shot to death or something. Oh wow, interesting. And the I same thing happened with um, Ben Simmons who played the Seventy Sixers. I think a few days after he got drafted, his cousin got ran over and killed in Philadelphia. I said, whoa, what? wait a minute. That yeah. is, wow. That's Those strange. I'm sorry. No, no, I agree with you. You know, we've been talking about the tragedies that follow this, these extreme amounts of popularity or money that just all of a sudden pops out of nowhere. But I didn't know about those two. I'm going to have to add that to the list. We might have to do a show on just that one day. On, you on know, and then Dwayne Wade's son, he's, 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 a home, he, he's supposed to be homosexual. And I just saw an article in the news the other day that – um. I guess a lot of, they had posted something on the internet about uh, supporting his son being um, LGBTQ and his wife is supporting, and it's like that boy's barely well, he's barely a teenager and he's walking around. I know. You know something. Know. Something that's not right, both, bro. I'm sorry. Yeah. Both no, of them. He had to both of them are. Oh yeah, but, but I mean, exactly. he, he 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 all into that. Him and him that's and and Barkley. I mean, if you looked at the commercials they used to do back in the day and read body language, you could see mm. that there was something going the on there. The Gatorade commercials, yeah. Yeah, you're yeah. right there. That's a good point. Yeah. That is. He does have a lot of feminine um, characteristics, Dwayne Wade does. Oh, right. yeah. Yeah. That's why it's son like Him? he is. Right. That, yeah, that and, is, and, that is and, weird. And look at, uh, right, and look at magic. Look at his son, uh, Pinky. Yeah, that's sad. Pinky right or whatever. Magic right, son. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and his wife's name is Cookie. <laughs> oh, right. Oh, oh, oh. Twinkies and 
y'all cold blood. <laughs> but but they say a lot of those. Uh, uh huh. But they say a lot of them athletes swing both ways. You know that's the that's the thing. Hollywood and and athletes that's sports that's entertainment. And and the rap industry. Yeah, and top like I said, right, Thomas, exactly. Thomas has been talking about the past past sending sending me a lot of information about you know him, him Jay Z and Larry Johnson were the actual lovers. You know, and it's and it's yeah. documented. Yeah. Yeah. And which Larry Johnson? The one from the Kansas City Chiefs. Right, the running back. Wow, I did hear that he was swinging both ways, but I didn't know that he was messing with Jay Z. Yeah. Yeah, all of them. Wow. Thomas sent, sent me any, sent me any information. It's it's documented. Oh wow! Oh my goodness! It just gets deeper That's and why deeper. That's he's dropping all this information on certain uh, on these some of these athletes and what's going on in the NFL. But like I said, how would he know unless he was part of that clique? You know? A- absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Got a direct line into that clique. Yeah. This is getting really out of control because it's being exposed now. It probably was already there, but the fact that they pull it off the top, or maybe it's just the fact that we got better vision. It's just all spilling out. Yeah. It's all spilling yeah. out. Yeah, the combination of all of that, yeah. Good point, good point. Man, yeah, that that was a lot. That was a heavy load that Brother D just dropped right now. I ain't got too yeah, much to follow. Yeah, like I said, R. Kelly, there was a, uh, R. R. Kelly now, he, um, they brought him back in court for a new charge. Supposedly he was he bribed a lawyer something a long time ago to get him to do do some paperwork um, to marry Aaliyah. That came out today. And I'm, st- I'm still trying to figure out why they keep messing with this brother. It's something he did or he didn't do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. He basically's being Bill Cosby right now. You know. Right. Absolutely. And I mean, yeah, what he's doing. Yeah. I'm not saying that what he did is right, but I mean in that industry. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's what they do all in that industry. Yes, yes. So why is he being singled out? And a lot, and why, a lot of just like with Bill Cosby, like they're just scapegoats, right? Or so sacrifice or something that's going on there. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So I see the same exact thing, brother Derek. You definitely got your twenty twenty vision on because that. <laughs> that you know, a couple of those things you just dropped, I was not aware of. You know, like mm-hmm. I said, and then with because, because like I said, it's already like you said earlier, it's already happened. This this energy, this awareness, you know, this connection with the cosmos, it had already mm-hmm. started. We don't have to wait for 2024 to come. I think it's already oh, nah. here. It, and it the is. time is already right. like we talked about the other night, Revelation. It's here. Yeah, yeah, you are, you are right. You know, yeah. and it's just now, like you said earlier, with a lot of a lot of us melanated people. Okay, uh, if it's in front of you, do you choose to see it, or do you put no pun intended, but put, do you put your blinders on? Because there now, like I said, if we see something, we got to call it out. What the what does the saying say? You got to call a spade a spade. There you go. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, you know, you have to call it out at this point in time because. It's a lot of subliminals going on. It's a lot of undercover going on, a lot of metaphysical going on. And if we ain't leading the people in the right place, they're just going to be misled. But they are starting to, well, we gotta, they are starting to open their eyes. 
But you got to remember, we also in the Aquarian age, and that uncovers things too. Mm. Hold on, I got yeah. somebody else that got their hand raised. Hold, hold on. Okay. Uh, four zero five eight six three four zero five. Yes, yes, peace. Peace, peace, brother. Peace, um, I'm M. Cool Rod, man. I enjoyed the show. Excellent, brother. Mm. We, we appreciate your call. How you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Thank you. It's my first time calling in, but I've listened to a couple of shows, man. I'm I'm loving what y'all got okay. going. I appreciate it. But um, yeah, I well, we appreciate you. Thank you, thank you. Peace. Um, I mean, I love topics about the pineal gland and um awakening with the 2020. Yeah. And I was yeah. wondering, um, yes, sir. I was wondering with this alignment coming. I want to ask you: Do you feel like um diet is important for this energy to, to be able to mm-hmm. manifest inside of the body? And it's the chakras mm-hmm. um, and it's frequency important for this energy to be able to uh, manifest us, to manifest in us, to get us to this third eye awakening. Yeah. You, you're already on it. Just the fact that you asked <laughs> you those asked two questions. Question. Yeah, you did. <laughs> you absolutely did. Yeah. You know. Well, I'll, it, it, I'll I, go ahead. Go ahead, bro. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm listening. Okay. Um, you know, I got two aspects for the diet part of it. Because it's very, very interesting. We did a show on Jedi, who is an ancient uh, African uh, magician um, coming out of ancient Kemet. And what they basically had him do, he was the first magician, even noted in all the magic history books read by David Copperfield and all of that, Penn and Teller, they have to learn about Jedi. When they found Jedi, this is the ancient Kemites, um, the king at the time, I can't remember who it was, he summons Jedi to come perform a magic ritual because everybody heard that he had to be one of the illest priests around. But he had put himself in, like, hiding and seclusion because he didn't want to be dealing with whatever was going on. So when they mm-hmm. found him, they said he was um, eating, what was it, 100 fowl, 300 cattle, and drinking 1,000 vases of ale a day. I know it's an exaggeration, but what it's also saying is, when you do what you feel like doing, just the aspect of that can produce enough dopamine, uh, endorphins, and serotonin to heal, to make you be able to do extrasensory things, to tap into a whole nother level. So your diet can help support you, but you also have to have your mind frame right. He had his mind frame in the place of, guess what? Um, I'm going to eat what makes me happy, and based on that, I can magically formulate this diet to make it do what it wants to do for me. And I actually have countless, and I don't have them on me with this second, but countless articles where people that live over 100, they ask them, well, what do you do? You know, how do you live so long? And they have almost the exact same answer. It's absolutely fascinating to me. But that doesn't mean that you want to eat stuff that's going to give you cancer. Uh, You don't want to eat tons of sugar. You don't want to eat tons of poppy drinks. Um, You know, I wouldn't go so far as saying you need to be a vegan or you need not to eat anything and just walk around eating on, you know, breadsticks all day long and drinking water. But definitely try to, you know, monitor everything in moderation. Just like the light and the dark side, everything has to have a balance to it. Just like the brother was talking about earlier, you know, Tahuti was the great judge. They call him Afrihui, or the judge of the two combatants, which were Huru and Set. And as long as you got a balance, you will be okay. And you talked about the chakras being balanced, or your wheels, or your uh, your tree of life being balanced. 
It's the same thing. You may have times where you have to have more ego and let the super ego and it hide, and you might have times where the ego needs to hide and the other parts need to come on out. So it's really about having a balance in what works for you because everybody is individual. What works for one person ain't going to work for the next. But you're absolutely right. All those things are important regardless, however you, uh, you know, choose to line them up. Sweet, sweet. And I, I appreciate also, that. And, and also, water is very important because we're mostly water, but they also know that water can be programmed. And so I, mm. I would get me like a large gallon a jar, not plastic, take the, take the labels off, get you some uh, parchment paper, write on there that this water is healing water. This water is healing all my organs. This water is, is healing all, you know, just my body, this water is and paste and tape it onto the bottle where it's what you wrote is facing the water and let it mm. set for 24 hours before you drank it. To even make it better, make the water lemons, put you some lemons to make the water alkaline water. Program the water and drink it, and it's going to go inside your body and do what you, what you programmed it to do. Excellent. Sweet. Excellent. Excellent. Ritual, Sister Beth. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I love that. I'm going to have to start doing that, too. I've heard about people putting sigils on their water caps, but the way you broke it down and no. explained, you know, yeah. the exact direction, that was that was. Yeah, powerful. just make it a label and paste the label so the water face the label. I forgot what that um, the Chinese guy, keep, I forgot his name, but, I mean, he did the research on that. So that's a, and, and that's how come we so easily to be programmed, because what are we, 80% water or something like that? Excellent point. So we got to mm-hmm. learn how to reprogram ourselves. Wow. Sweet. Sweet. May I ask right. one more question? Please. Go ahead. We only got about two more minutes. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Um. Do your research talk anything about this? Um. Of a metamorphosis of the carbon um biological body, um. As in going to a um less density being. You know what? It seems like to me, we're becoming more dense, and we're sinking further mm. and further into the three dimension, as opposed mm. to where we came from, which was almost all pure spirit. There was a time when people mm-hmm. didn't necessarily have to talk to each other, because they could use telepathy. And they could use other means of communication, but they were almost like – and I think that's what the Greeks were talking about when they came into Kemet and said that these men is absolutely gods. You know, the closest that we got to gods on earth, and I always say this, are the ancient Egyptian priests. So if there is a chance to turn back into you know, reverse it so that we can go back spiritual, I think we own it right here. I'm definitely sure it can happen because that's where we came from, you know, that that is us. We just have to figure out how to get back there. We don't have to go back. We already there. It's in our DNA. Not shame. That's an excellent point. Time. Excellent point. We, so yeah, there. it can be done. So um, so you don't feel like the vibrations are speeding up or slowing down on the planet speeding as we go into this. <laughs> Speed up. Okay. Yeah, it's definitely speed up. <laughs> it's definitely speed up. So, so are we going? Are we going? If we're going to the Aquarian age, do they, do, does that mean? Does it mean that we're rising up to a from a third dimension to a fifth dimensional frequency on the planet? I think that depends yeah, on who you are. Different dimension. Okay. 
Okay. You know, some people are elevated. Some people with their glasses on, they they can see and they can elevate. But like we talked about, you know some dense people. You know the people you talk to, you can't get through no matter which angle you come from. You can't say necessarily that they vibrate. Here's three great reasons to get the new Samsung Galaxy S21 5G at T-Mobile. One, it's free for both current and new customers when you trade in an eligible device. Two, T-Mobile's the leader in 5G coverage. So, three, you can unleash 5G speeds in more places with your new phone. Get the new Galaxy S21 free at T-Mobile, the leader in 5G coverage. Phone via 24-monthly bill credits plus tax. If you cancel credit, stop and balance on required finance agreement may be due. Contact us. Qualifying credit and consumer plan required. See details at T-Mobile.com. Here's three great reasons to get the new Samsung Galaxy S21 5G at T-Mobile. One, it's free for both current and new customers when you trade in an eligible device. Two, T-Mobile's the leader in 5G coverage. So, three, you can unleash 5G speeds in more places with your new phone. Get the new Galaxy S21 free at T-Mobile, the leader in 5G coverage. Phone via 24-monthly bill credits plus tax. If you cancel credit, stop and balance on required finance agreement may be due. Contact us. Qualifying credit and consumer plan required. See details at T-Mobile.com.